Hey guys, this is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the mayor of Britsburg, and you're listening to Wrestling Cheers Podcast. Taking your way in the world today, takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries, sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you live in California now. This is Wrestling Cheers, and we'd like to talk about things going on in the Northeast Ohio independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is a special interview episode with This Ends at Prom. I'm your host, Justin Summers, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe your Everless's Fine Podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, and Instagram.com slash WrestlingCheers. Email, if you so choose, is iWrestlingCheers at gmail.com. And we no longer have a store at a certain website. Like I said, I'm your host, Justin Summers, and we're here with This Ends at Prom. We have BJ and Harmony Colangelo. How are you ladies doing this evening? I'm tired. I've been up since 5 a.m. <laughs> oh, that, that sucks. <laughs> that's just my life now. That's that's what happens when you go from bartending to working at a place that primarily does coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty okay because I didn't have to work today because I work that Monday through Friday life. Yeah, I I love working the Monday through Friday life. I've gotten spoiled to the point I don't want to work weekends at all if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Big same. <laughs> so you guys host This Ends at Prom. I don't know how many people uh, that listen to this show listen to it, but can you please explain to everybody uh, the premise of the show? I I fucking love it. <laughs> Harmony, do you want me to take that? I mean, you're usually the one who has spiel things, so sure. <laughs> sure. So This Ends at Prom is a coming-of-age podcast that centers on films and media that are either about the teen girl experience or are marketed to teen girls. Um, it was originally conceived as a column that I was going to be writing for a magazine and then all of that sweet, sweet freelance money uh, dried up in the pandemic. So I got the the rights to the idea back and Harmony and I sat down and we're like, what if we just made this a podcast? And we originally thought that like it would just be a fun thing for us to do in our spare time when, you know, we were locked up and didn't really have much to do. And it has since sort of built this like really lovely community um, but basically, it is watching teen movies, which is uh, a genre that I like to d- describe as dismissed cinema. Um, it's a, an area of film that doesn't really get analyzed a whole lot. Uh, people tend to write it off as being lowbrow or lesser than and don't really put a lot of time and effort into thinking about it. And I think a whole lot about it. 
And it's fun because Harmony as a trans woman was socialized as a teen boy. So a lot of these movies she completely missed growing up. So there's really no nostalgia for her on any of these. So she can be a pretty unbiased party when it comes to viewing these, uh, something that I tend to struggle with sometimes because some of these movies, it's like, oh my God, I know they're so problematic, but it meant a lot to me when I was 12. And it's really hard for me to separate those sometimes. But that's part <laughs> of the exercise is learning how to love things critically. It's all about breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, you sure like 10 things I hate about you? Are you sure? Let's let's smash this open and take a look because I'm so some of these are not. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers today who was like, oh, I love 16 candles. And I'm like, well, <laughs> have you seen that one in like the last 15 years? Because it's a. Uh, Really racist and really rapey. <laughs> yeah, that movie has aged like milk in the sun. It's awful. <laughs> but the yeah. thing is, like, it's important that, like, we don't approach these movies of, like, um, just so you know, 16 Candles is, like, really problematic and you should not be supporting it. Like, we don't go from that angle. It's like, hey, this is a movie that completely changed the landscape of an entire genre of cinema. And it is also aged terribly because these were the social norms that were acceptable back then. And we need to understand historical context and cultural context of when these movies came out because teen movies are ultimately time capsules. Like so many films are made with the intent to either be timeless so that you can watch them over and over again, or they are meant to be like period pieces and they exist in like a world outside of our own. Teen movies are trying to capture the then and the now. They don't care that they're going to be outdated in six months from now when a fad changes. They want your money here and now. So they end up being these really lovely time capsules of, you know, whenever they came out and we can look at them and be like, this is what the fashion was. But not only that, this is what like our social mentality was. A lot of things that people like to pretend weren't a thing or like to pretend didn't exist. You mentioned uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, and I just watched that for the very first time on my birthday because that movie came oh. out because it came out <laughs> on my birthday. And I, I remember when it came out, because obviously I'm very rarely had a movie really shared my birthday. And that one, I remember like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I really want to go. I really want to see it. But for whatever reason, I just never got around to it. And then this year I said, fuck it, watched it for the very first time. And then literally, I think the next day I, I, I listened to that episode because for me, when I listen to the show, I'd rather it be a movie I've seen, like mm -hmm. nostalgically, like It Takes Two. I watched that a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> so I remember when that episode came out, I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, watch this. I'm going to listen to this episode because I love that movie. Uh, maybe same thing with Clueless. I've seen that enough times to where I'm like, OK, I can I don't have to go in this fresh. But something like that, I waited until I seen it. And yeah, I I went into it like or afterwards, like I kind of liked it, but hearing a lot of the other stuff, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I could, I can kind of see some of the issues there. Oh, definitely. yeah. That, that was kind of the movie that inspired this for the most part, because BJ during the start of the pandemic was like, I'm, I'm just nostalgic for the things I grew up on. Let's watch this. And she keeps looking at me while we're watching that movie. And it's like, Oh my God, do you love it? Do you love it? This, Oh my God. Cat Stratford <laughs> meant so much to me. Are you loving it? I'm like, I think I hate this movie. I think I hate it a lot. And she's like, what? Why? And then it was like a two hour conversation afterwards. And then BJ goes, Oh, God, I think I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really important sometimes to to interrogate your own nostalgia, because I think so many of us 
like love things and we love it with our whole chest and it becomes, you know, part of our personality and part of our being. And then we struggle to admit its shortcomings. I mean, this is a wrestling podcast. All of us are wrestling fans in here. Wrestling has a really gnarly history with yeah. a lot of problematic shit. Yeah. And it's really important that you like that you can recognize that like you're not suddenly going to dislike the sport of wrestling. You're always going to like it. But hey, maybe we could be like, you know, it was not cool. Blackface like that shit was not OK. Someone should mm -hmm. have said something um, like that. You can hold multiple truths at the same time. You can be like, you know what? Wrestling is one of my favorite things in the world. Also, comma. There's a lot of gnarly stuff that gets kind of pushed under the ring, so to speak. And uh, it's okay to acknowledge them both. They can exist simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I think the big one, too, uh, and BJ, and I know your feelings on this, is uh, Greece. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like, you, like, the first time hearing you talk about that movie, like, ruined it for me. Like, granted, like, I wasn't huge <laughs> so into I mean, I wasn't huge into it, but it made me go, like, oh yeah oh shit and i've explained that to people and they're they they're like what no no and i'm like uh, you might want to go back and revisit it because yeah not not as good as you remember like oh were the songs great yeah but there's there's some issues there yeah yeah it <laughs> it's all it's all the moving pictures and happy songs and bright colors and everyone's like Greece is lovely I've been watching it my whole life and you just take in like the distracting ambiance of that movie and then you don't really think about like the deeper aspects of what is going on in that film and I think so many of us like if it's something that we watched as children or something we watched a lot when we were younger as adults, we tend to watch it on autopilot. Um, mm -hmm. We're not really taking the time to interrogate what it is that we're watching because it reminds us of, oh, I watched this with my grandma on this summer day. It was after I got stung by a bee for the first time. Whatever the story is of you watching this movie, that tends to take precedence over what's actually happening. And I think if we all like took the time to really assess the things that we were watching, then it wouldn't be this like, wait, oh no, what are you saying? Oh no, like it's okay to interrogate the things you're watching. And it's okay to also watch things with just full head emptiness. Like that's mm -hmm. fine too. Like neither of these things are wrong. The problem that we run into though, is that so many people that do watch things with, you know, real, just their brains real smoothed out is then they then speak as like an authority on it. And like, you, you can't do that either. And also our lived experiences and perspectives shape the things that we're watching. One of my favorite movies of all time uh, that I watched as a teenager is Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. I love that movie. And it wasn't until I watched it as an adult where I was like, wow, this like the fortune cookie subplot of like the magic, this is real racist and falling into these gross kind of like oriel like uh orientalism tropes that are just really offensive and oh goodness i forgot that this was here because in your head you're like oh i love freaky friday i love jamie lee curtis screaming i'm the crypt keeper i love Lindsay lohan screaming oh my god you're in my life i love that cover that they do for their band like this is great and then you totally just like purge out the parts of it 
that are offensive because if it didn't, you know, impact you personally, it might be something that you didn't pay attention to. But you talk to any of like your Asian American friends, you might they might immediately be like, oh, yeah, Freaky Friday, that racist ass movie. So like, it's important to kind of have an intersectional approach to what you're watching, because none of us are going to interpret a movie or a TV show or anything the same way. Yeah, I think it's really important to go back and like look with fresh eyes, but also to maybe even there's like movies out there that maybe I didn't give a, a fair shake for one reason or another. And when you guys have brought it to the table, I've gone like, okay, I'll, I'll look at it different. Like, for example, this is going to sound shocking to some people. I have never been a fan of Megan Fox. Like, and it's not like the acting thing is like what people would say, like how hot she was. I'd be like, I, I don't know. Like there's just something for me that I, I don't care for. So I just always dismissed a lot of her movies outside of like Ninja Turtles because even <laughs> even as much as like I didn't care for her, I'm like, she's not that bad in that movie, guys. Like she's just April, like focus on the turtles, not her. But I uh, decided to give Jennifer's body a shot. And yeah, like I could I could see a lot of the stuff that you guys are saying, even like watching it before listening to the episode, too. I was like, I could tell that there were things that were definitely made for the trailer. Like we're going to advertise uh-huh. to like the certain demographic and like that it, it wasn't necessarily there. But like going back and watching, I was like, oh, that was actually a, a very fun movie. Oh, that's one of my favorite games to play whenever I watch a movie and go uh, that even without watching the trailer, you can watch a certain thing and go, yep, that was designed. I was shot for the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's a trailer line. Like, it's just like it encapsulates the energy of what they want to put out there for the marketing. And Jennifer's body, it's like so, so manipulative and like incorrect how they made that trailer and what they were projecting that film as towards people. And uh, that is ultimately why it was dismissed for like 10 plus years mm-hmm. until very recently that people are like, Oh, Hey, um, were we all wrong about Jennifer's <laughs> body the whole time? And it's like, yeah, kind of, we were all wrong about Jennifer's body aside from a very select few who've been screaming at us for a while. <laughs> Yeah, like we even we use it as a verb on the show and it's kind of become a verb in just general film circles is whether or not something is going to be Jennifer's bodied, which means like it's Uh just like horrifically maligned and misunderstood upon release. And only 10 years later do we realize, oh, we had this wrong. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing with something like Halloween 3. That movie has also been like Jennifer's bodied. Uh, But Jennifer's body is the perfect example of it because they really did like the entire marketing campaign was centered around like. Megan Fox equals hot. Mm -hmm. So then people went to that movie expecting something and that's not the movie that they got. So what ended up happening is the entire marketing campaign pushed out the audience that that movie is meant for. Like teen girls really didn't seek that movie out because they thought that it was going to be this like male fantasy trip. And it's not. That's not what that movie is at all, which is why dudes went and saw it. And most of them like didn't like it because they expected it to be like Megan Fox topless making out with Amanda Seyfried and like maybe some horror stuff when really like it's a movie about friendship and about like how popularity can ruin your friends and having like toxic, like, uh, codependent relationships with your friends. And then, you know, obviously the, the horrors of the way that men will use women for their own bidding and what happens when it backfires. Like this movie is so like pro feminist and it was marketed in a way that you thought it was going to be like a sex thriller and it's not. And now in hindsight, we can recognize what this movie truly has always been and how brilliant it is. And it's just a shame that it took so long. It's really a shame. 
So a really interesting aspect that I love about how this is being reclaimed specifically now with Jennifer's Body and a few other examples is that you had films like, say, Tank Girl as a really good example of being like, oh, well, it's a cult classic. It didn't really perform super great at the time, but it has like the correct ideals for everyone to embrace it and love it for its feminism. But the thing that we're seeing more recently in light of like, you know, post Free Britney and plenty of other things that are happening um, post Me Too is you have these high femme films like Jennifer's Body or like Barb Wire or um, what a future film that will be Jennifer's Bodied one day, I think, Black Christmas 2019, where you have these much more like feminine, less aggressive films like that are they're, they're landing like we call it like embracing the bimbos a lot where it's just like I we are super pro bimbo in this household and we don't mm-hmm. mean that it's like a knock against anyone's intellect but more so just as like beautiful women can be cool and badass in a way that they're not allowed to be most of the time and it's so easy to hate the popular girls for their looks which is a, a thing that comes up all the time in teen films and I like where we're getting now culturally where that isn't as much of like Uh, I don't think anybody in this room, but like so much of what people hated about Megan Fox was that she was too hot, you know, Mm -hmm. and now we're getting to a point where it's like, okay, but she's really hot and we love that about her. The thing we don't like is Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as you said what we don't like about her, I'm like, it's got to be fucking Machine Gun Kelly because that's definitely we're like, you know what? Uh, Maybe we were wrong about her. But like this right here, just please don't (sighs) like speaking of Northeast Ohio. I just I love how much no one in Northeast Ohio claims Machine Gun Kelly. Like people in Cleveland will be like, yeah, we'll claim the Black Keys. We'll claim all these other things that aren't from Cleveland. And he's from Shaker. And they're like, well, we still don't want to claim Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) I remember when he was first coming up, I really liked him. But like over time, I I was just like, I was just like, meh. And then like, especially when you did the thing with Eminem, I'm like, all right, dude, like, don't just stop right it i don't know i feel like dude's been a little high on his own supply for a bit i obviously don't know him personally i have no idea like where the the line between machine gun kelly the persona and machine gun kelly the actual human being is um i like there's just no way for me to tell he maybe he's the nicest dude and it's all just an act and we're all getting worked who knows but uh, yeah Part of me is like, I'm, I'm happy for Megan. She seems to be doing what she wants at, after many, many years of not feeling like she could. I, I don't know. I just find this, you know, maybe she's having a midlife crisis. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else, but people have all plenty of good reasons they don't like Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, me personally, he almost hit me with his car one time, so <laughs> he can fuck off. <laughs> I remember that story. Yeah, that. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, I, I always feel like bad for her of uh, even with the Turtles movies. Even like I said, oh, yeah. like how I felt about her, like I, I still like those movies, but so many people shit on the first one and they, they, they made some mistakes. But the second one, as a Turtle fan growing up, like that was like the, the movie I wanted because it was basically one big cartoon. And I remember mm-hmm. leaving the theater like, oh my God, that was so fun. But it, it was ruined by so many people of so they they didn't go back. And like yeah. that, that was there was so much there left on the table and it got wasted. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I think that's the thing people forget is 
you have somebody like Megan Kelly and Megan Kelly that she's someone you can hate. Um, but you have somebody <laughs> like Megan Fox. And I think you, it's so easy to get caught up in, well, she must be an awful person because anybody who is that hot that I've ever met in real life has been like the mean girl who bullied me in high school or whatever. So we mm -hmm. start to associate those behaviors to those individuals. When if you look at her career between the stuff that even the stuff she did when she was a teenager, and she's like in confessions of the teenage drama queen, she's doing exactly what you want her to do. She can do comedy. She's very funny. And people don't let her be funny because of how hot she is. Like one of the reasons that uh, like we are big fans of what are the Iconics calling themselves now? The inspiration. The inspiration. Inspiration. One of the reasons that we love them so much in this household is because they're one of the few examples of wrestlers who are stupid hot, who are also allowed to be goofy and funny uh -huh. and have comedy bits. Because for whatever reason, it like breaks people's brains. They're like, um, you can't be that hot and also funny. That's just unfair to the world. And it's <laughs> like, some people are though. And we uh -huh. should embrace that. Like, let them be funny. That was one thing I remember really liking about Jennifer's body was some of the humor that was just kind of like thrown in there. Like, mm -hmm. I can't remember some of the jokes, but like, like Megan would have them. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. oh. Megan's got all the good punchlines in that, like telling people that they're lime green jello. Like that stuff's great. And she handles the Diablo Cody isms of the script like masterfully. I love me some Diablo Cody isms. I love that Diablo Cody characters don't speak like people. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. People love to trash on Juno and Jennifer's body. Like, teenagers don't talk like that. And it's like, if you try to tell me that when you were a teenager, you and your friends didn't have, like, weird inside joke, like, phrases or expressions that no one else understood, you're lying. Like, all of us mm -hmm. do this. But mm -hmm. when you see it in a movie, you feel like, oh, uh, but I don't get it. I'm left out on the inside joke. And it's like, yeah, that's part of life, man. <laughs> like, we don't always get to be in on everything. That's called getting old. Yeah. <laughs> the teens yeah. leave you behind. Oh, <laughs> uh, I kind of, I kind of feel that. I know, like recently, I seen uh it was like maybe like Ozfest two thousand or something of like what people wore there, and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I, I remember that time. I dressed somewhat like that, not exactly like that. I always thought that way was cool, but looking at it now, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody who uh, was trying. They're trying to understand Hook on AEW, and they're like, what is up with that <laughs> hair? And I was like, if you spend 0.5 seconds on TikTok and scroll, you will find a hundred boys with that same haircut. Like, that is a thing now. And they're like, I, I've never seen it. And I'm like, are you hanging out in high school? No, because you're 40. <laughs> like, I promise you, this is a thing. <laughs> All those e-boy haircuts, or right. lack of haircuts. <laughs> Just the the the... The bangs are as wide as the room. <laughs> yeah, Hook's going to be like the next big thing. Like, it, it's crazy. I've, I've never seen a reaction to a wrestler like this so early on. Mm -hmm. And basically, I don't want to say it's for nothing, but like he hasn't done a lot, but people have been gravitated towards him. Like, I'm not huge on him, but I can admit like, like there's there's something there. That's the thing with Hook that I think is actually really interesting is that He's done very little, but I think the popularity was originally kind of a joke where everyone's like, ha ha hook, ha ha hook. And then it was like, oh, fuck, he can actually wrestle. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that much of what his character's doing is a very updated version of the same kind of stuff Taz did, 
which is like absolutely beating the shit out of everyone. No selling moves, not talking a lot like it all. It all tracks. Mm hmm. I would say he looks better than his father on top of it. So that re- that's really helping yeah. him out some demographics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's helping. Charles <laughs> doesn't see look bad. It's like just he's not a pretty boy like Hook like, oh, is. He's so cute. I, I could not imagine in the 90s just anybody being like, yeah, Chaz. Oh, what, a, what a stud muffin. <laughs> I mean, hey, Taz is like... He's he's no slump, but like, yeah, Hook is he was he was blessed in the genetics department. <laughs> so how has uh, been the relocation to California? You guys moved uh, last year, early last year, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little over a year ago, like 13 months. How's California I, been? I I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. <laughs> <laughs> The move to Cal- <laughs> it's it's to when Cal- people go, that's it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so the move to California has been honestly, genuinely wonderful in a lot of ways. And then obviously any any new place is going to have its its growing pains. The ways in which it's good. Um, I don't really have seasonal depression anymore. I just have actual depression, which is kind of sweet. Big fan of that because it's nice all the time. Um, I really don't leave the house all that much still because I'm still very, very immunocompromised as a pancreatic cancer survivor and COVID is a thing as much as people want to pretend it's not, it is, and it could kill me. So I don't leave the house. Um, so I don't have to deal with like people nearly as much as, as Harmony does, but the, the things that I have enjoyed about it, I like that I can kind of go outside anytime. And I also like that when we do go outside and we do things like, go to the grocery store or just exist in public. Um, it doesn't feel like the circus has arrived the way that it did in Ohio, where like people would stare at us or say things or just be genuinely real big pieces of shit about it. Um, that doesn't really exist anymore. And that's really nice. But there are obviously uh, differences um, in ways that like living in the Midwest and especially living somewhere like Cleveland was more beneficial um, there absolutely is like the, the coastal bubble that people complain about. That is a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. because sometimes it's like trying to explain to people what's going on in other places. Cause obviously we're still very invested in what goes on back in Ohio in Cleveland or for me in Chicago. And, uh, you know, cause we have people there that we love and we want them to be safe. And then you'll read a headline where it's like, wow, uh, you can just conceal and carry now with like no background check and no training. That's fucking crazy. And you try to explain that to someone out here and you're like, that's not real. No one would, that, that wouldn't get approved. And you're like, oh, but it does. <laughs> and it did. Um, so mm-hmm. sometimes that can get really frustrating because you try to explain to people from here, like what it's like other places and I think because it's so beyond, like, insanity for them, like, they like they physically can't process it. Like, they think you're messing with them. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I think that there's, like, at least with the people I interact with who primarily have spent their whole lives in, like, the Southern California or even just anywhere on the, on the West Coast is that there's this... Uh, good vibes only kind of thing. And I'm from somewhere where it's a lot more rough and tumble. And so if you come with any kind of negativity, they're like, I don't physically know how to handle this. And now I'm uncomfortable. And uh, I'm just, uh, and they they kind of break. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm not trying to break my coworkers or the people who come to where I work regularly, but I'm. it's almost like I'm speaking a different language sometimes, and that's been an adjustment because, like, metaphorically, um, I am working with people who have never seen snow, and I know what the cold is like. <laughs> so it's really something some days it's it's a lot yeah it's like we've like told people that we know from here like because they always ask you know what you know how do you like it better how do you like it better how is it different how is it whatever and you'll tell them stories from like what things that would happen to us in cleveland and it's very clear that like if something like that happened to them here uh it would like ruin their whole lives because they've not been conditioned for that sort of thing and there's definitely some unlearning that's had to be done like i have such walls and defense mechanisms set up from just living in cleveland and having to deal with like weird bigoted like maga people um and that's not really a thing out here like obviously there's bigots and assholes everywhere like that's a thing but in terms of like going somewhere publicly like i have to reteach my body to calm down and like to relax because I'm so used to having to be on the defense and having to like scale my surroundings to make sure that like some idiot with like rolling coal in their truck is not going to like call me the F slur. Um, that's not really a thing out here. And when people are like nodding at me and smiling at me, like they mean it, like they're not trying to like mess with me. And I have to like reteach myself like, no, 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 like they're genuinely smiling at you to be nice. They're not trying to mess with you. And that's that's a hard thing to process as well. I remember when you guys yeah. talked, like made the announcement that you were moving out there. How my reaction was like, I'm going to miss seeing you guys at shows and all that kind of stuff. But like, I understand like, I mean, I understand to a point because I've, I've never been in like your guys' shoes, but I know like it can't be fucking easy and going to live in L.A. where it's going to be like, well, we're going to take a lot of the bullshit that we have here and like we're, we're getting away from it. So mm -hmm. it made total, total sense. And, you know, I'm definitely hoping you guys are enjoying that, that type of weather. Uh, the whole idea where people like don't know snow is is even crazy to me. I have family that lives in Phoenix. I think the difference yeah. is for them though, that like there's like places that they will go if they want snow. And I remember like when I saw them when I was younger, they would be like, Oh yeah, we love, we love going up for snow and doing this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. But the difference is like uh, when you're done and tired of it, you can go home. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stuck with it for a couple months. <laughs> so like, like yeah. I, that's why I hate snow. If, if that doesn't speak to like this overarching concept, because like we're near mountains. If I wanted to, we could go up to some mountains on like a day trip and there would be snow there. But like you're visiting the snow yeah. as opposed yeah. to living with the snow. And like yeah. that says a lot. Yeah, you're not waking up on a Monday and being like, well, I have to dig out my entire car and now I'm going to be an hour late for work. Like, that's not a thing that anyone here has really had to deal with, uh, unless obviously they're, they're from somewhere else. So yeah. like, and, and it's not even like weather concepts, but like using that as an example, like that is just kind of a mindset that exists out here with, with a lot of people where you do kind of have to get a neon sign and present like your lived experiences because it's just beyond comprehension like you don't know what you don't know so mm -hmm. uh, i think harmony you describing it as like it's like you're speaking a different language i think that is very much a thing um which 
is it's just really fascinating. But as far as like a general thing, like everything that we had that we loved, like obviously there are things that can never be replaced. Um, but like, there's so much wrestling out here, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. really haven't gotten to see a lot of it. Cause again, I don't leave the house, but like GCW was last night and like, you know, had I not been a little cry baby, piss baby about like <laughs> my, my amino compromise status, like I could have been there and that would have been really sweet. I, we went to, um, wrestling pro wrestling, which I mean, Brian Kendrick owns that and there's obviously a lot of feelings about that as of late but like that promotion in general there's a lot of really cool people doing really cool work that I've never seen before because Mm -hmm. they don't make it out to the Midwest um like we got to see Dark Sheik for the first time like that was so rad like she was incredible Uh um like really really loved that yeah for a lot of the West Coast people it's like you have to be a certain name or be going to a certain type of promotion that would bring them in. Like, Mm -hmm. I think like, I think the biggest like West coast person that I remember for a long time that would, that would come out. uh, Well, one that I'll mention, I won't mention the other one, but I know like Jeff Cobb, you can say the other one is Jerry Ryan. He sucks. We all (laughs) know. Yep. (laughs) Uh, We all got bamboozled and gave him money. It's fine. Actually, I don't think I ever bought anything off of him. I think I might be lucky. Really? I think, Uh. (laughs) man, I had so many shirts that had to get, gone that sucked <laughs> yeah i don't even i don't even think i had a shirt so i got i got lucky in that aspect but no uh jeff cobb i know was is one that like yeah will, will yeah come out but like it is so rare because definitely like i always say once you get past like uh like right around kansas city and st louis it could depend but definitely like way after kansas city like it, you're not getting people out to the midwest like you have to become mm-hmm. something yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a flyover state like that's that's the mindset, you know, mm-hmm. because, yeah, a lot of the people from like the coast, like they might go to New York, like they might fly yeah. completely over the Midwest. Maybe they'll stop in Chicago just because of like the stuff that is established there. They might go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to get people to come out to Cleveland, like it's just not a thing. But then at the same time, like there are some really cool things in Cleveland that obviously we're not going to get over here. Like every single time I see an ad for like old wrestling and my heart dies a little bit <laughs> because it's like, God, yep. I want to go to old wrestling so bad, but that's never going to come out here. Like I'm never going to get to see that again unless I travel for it. And like, that sucks. And like that, that's a bummer. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, but like we now have access to Lucha Vavoom and like Lucha mm-hmm. Vavoom does really cool stuff. And like, that's not a thing that's going to be elsewhere. So gotta go to Bola one year. Yeah, gotta go to Poland here. Like, there's plenty of stuff that, like, we can do in exchange. It's just different. And I, I think that's, like, I don't necessarily want to say, like, one is better than the other. It's just different. The only way that it is, like, full scale, like, better is, like, obviously California has better laws for their employer, <laughs> like, for in- employment. They have better laws for queerness. They have, like, a mm. lot of stuff. So, like, our basic needs are much more fulfilled here than they were in Cleveland. Everything else, we just kind of have to figure out how to find ways to to replace and, you know, reinvent what we had that made us happy in the Midwest and do it out here. Yeah, it's it's figuring out this city, which is much bigger and more diverse. And there's just more going on like los angeles is a great city if you like to do things i don't do very much i go i don't have the energy to go out and do things routinely so the the way i try to pitch it to people is like in cleveland i knew where to go 
for like the music venues that I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. I knew what local bands I liked and wanted to support and where I could see them. And I understood that scene here. I happen to like bands who are in Los Angeles. Like I was already a fan of like hoity toity or we are the union who are based out here. And now I need to figure out the scene and how to navigate it. And that's just a change. That's just the par for the course for moving. It's almost like going to a new school. God, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and like, what's who so am funny? I going to sit with at lunch? <laughs> And what's so funny is, like, everyone who talks is like, oh, you've been here for a year. Like, what's it like? Where have you found your stuff? And I'm like, I think you're underestimating that we are still in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where things are. Um, Harmony predominantly does the driving. So, like, if, if I don't have GPS, I am screwed. I have no idea, like, how far things are in relation to things. And also, like, the traffic is as bad as everyone says it is. So, like. Oh, it's a nightmare. In- so, like, in Cleveland, if I, like, wanted to order, like, DoorDash or something, and it's like, oh, this is four miles away, man, that's not a big deal. That's, like, an hour out here for DoorDash. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. If it's not in my neighborhood, yeah. I'm not ordering it. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, like, the first six months being here and people going, like, oh, my God, how are you liking Los Angeles? Is it fun? And I'm like, well, Los Angeles is locked down until June, so currently I'm <laughs> staring at walls that cost four times as much as they did in Cleveland, but the sun's out, so that's nice. <laughs> Got a better view. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I had a pretty good view of a parking lot and a dumpster in Cleveland. It was all right. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> there were so many possums. I loved it. <laughs> now we I haven't seen a coyotes. single possum. Yeah, just coyotes everywhere. It's <laughs> probably why we're not seeing any possums. Oh. <laughs> You're making me sad. <laughs> Do you guys still I'm have so your sorry. possums? Like our taxidermy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The taxidermy was precious cargo when we moved. Um, (laughs) Harmony took like, were they T-shirts, Harmony? Um, There was at least one throw pillow and lots of bubble wrap and a couple T-shirts wrapped around my taxidermy possum that hangs from the ceiling because I did not want her little fingers to break off. She's fragile. Yeah. And she uh, she was boxed up and sat front seat with me the entire drive um, from (laughs) Cleveland to Los Angeles because I needed to be able to check on her to make sure she was okay And we didn't want her getting smashed by other boxes. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. she was my she was my co-pilot for the entire ride because Harmony drove the U-Haul. So um, we didn't even get to, like, really communicate with each other for the entire drive, which sucked. A lot of podcasts, a lot of scream singing as loud as we could. Yeah, what a fucking like trip to to drive all the way out there. Like, oh, right after we did it in February, so it was mm-hmm. right after like the inauguration. So there was a whole lot of like Oklahomas and Arizonas with like mountains painted like Trump is still the president and shit like that <laughs> on a literal mountain. It was yeah. <laughs> a lot. And it was also, I mean, we were still pretty close into lockdown and because originally we were going to take like the northern route, which takes you through like Colorado and then, you know, drops you out on the other side. Mm-hmm. But there was, of course, Midwest going to Midwest. There was a winter ice storm the day we were leaving. So then we had to take a different route that put us like through southern Ohio and Indiana and then put us on the south route through Oklahoma, a little bit of Texas, like just getting through that way. And pandemic who? 
Like, we were frequently the only people masked. Like, nobody was distancing anything. And this is, like, January of 2020 or 2021. So, like, it's still, like, there's no vaccines yet. And I'm just like, what the hell is happening? And we stopped at a, um, a hotel for the night. And I think this one was in Oklahoma. And uh, this woman looks at my driver's license as I'm checking in. And she's masked. But then she sees... Cleveland, Ohio, takes her mask down and then loudly exclaims, have you ever been to the Christmas Story house? That's one of my favorite movies. I've always (laughs) wanted to go there. And I'm like, lady, first off, yes. Second off, you did not have to take your masks down to have this conversation (laughs) with me. I do not know where that came from. Uh, It was just so weird. Um, And then the, uh, the only like bad driving that we had at all was the day we were arriving, we drove through, um, like Apple Valley, California, which has mountains and it was snowing like crazy. And of course, it was a, a blizzard of- on a mountain with people who aren't used to snow. Again, oh, I stand God. by my metaphor. It was, uh, there were so many accidents and we're like, we're just kind of going through it, going through it. And then by the time we finally arrived in Los Angeles, it was like the one day every six months where it rains. So we had to unpack in the rain. We're like, oh. this is the worst, but you know, we got everything in and it was, it was all good. But, uh, yeah, that drive sucks. <laughs> like, it's nice if you, like, there's stuff, cool stuff, like, Route 66 is always cool. There's, like, a lot of weird, like, stands on the side of the road. But we didn't get to see any of that because, again, like, pandemic, I was like, I'm not stopping at any of this. We're just going to keep on going and stop only when necessary. Um, but I would have loved to have stayed at the novelty, like, pirate motels, but alas. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that would have been great. But instead, it was like, no, we need to go to, like, these bougie, like, four or five star hotels because we know for sure that they have, like, very, very, very thorough cleaning protocols. Because the the final night of our trip, we ended up somewhere uh, that did not, like, have any openings in the nice places. So we ended up in, like, a Motel 6. Or, no, it was a Days in, I think. And it was awful like slept it was sketchy we slept on top of the like comforter (laughs) i was like i'm not getting in this bed like uh uh-uh there's probably a dead body here this is gnarly oh god like that can that kind of shit because uh some of those places uh with me being like a truck driver like the place that uh i did my first company like the the hotel they put you in oh Uh what was sketchy as shit (laughs) actually one of the times i stayed there i did end up getting a bed with bed bugs that's the only time i've ever ran into that now that sucked that's the worst i'm so sorry um i'm happy those days are so long behind (laughs) me and i ain't gonna do that shit anymore but (laughs) oh that that sucked but the the reason why i asked about the the possum though i want to tell you guys this story i had a, a family growing up in my trailer park that uh the father was a taxidermist and like he kind of had like his own little like a lot of stuff uh taxidermies but uh, his wife, we always referred to her as mom. Like she was like just the trailer park mom. And uh, what they had, like right as you you went into their trailer to the left, they had a taxidermied beaver, and that was called okay. that was called mom's beaver. So it was like, oh, did you oh, did you did you go oh. did you go pet mom's beaver? <laughs> like I don't know. Like <laughs> I always got a fucking kick out of that. So when I saw the possum, I'm like, not exactly the same thing, but just that's still kind of like not what you expect to see taxidermied somewhere. I fucking love it. <laughs> uh, I I would love to have a beaver. Instead, I will settle for my raccoon and my possum. <laughs> Though uh, Cleveland Curiosities, like they would hook me up with like all sorts of stuff because they would let me know when they got a dead animal that they knew I would want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the day that they got the possums, like 
what, like 50 people tag either one of us to be like, there's possums there. You got to go get one. And every oh, I was getting texts just... all day and I was like, uh, hey, I picked her up like 30 minutes ago. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't worry. We knew. And she's she's ours now. <laughs> we got uh-huh. it. Oh, that's that's fucking great. <laughs> I love my garbage animals. I I, lo- I really just am a person of trash taste, so it like it, it fits. <laughs> uh, one question I do I do want to ask you guys. It's something that I've gotten to recently on TikTok. Um, how do you guys feel about the word mark? I personally don't mind it. There's people out there like, oh, it's it's this and that. I'm like, it's just a term. Like, it just means you're paying money. It's not a bad word. It's the people that use it that are using it wrong. Like that's the real big key. Like I love calling myself a, a mark of certain things. Cause to me, like, I don't know. It's, it's linked to wrestling. I like, yeah, it's, it's not a bad, it, yeah, it's carny as shit. Mm-hmm. I like this is one of those mark. thing. Yeah. I like, this is one of those things where it's like, you use a word on Twitter and then you go parentheses derogatory. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that that's how you need to contextualize the negative part of Mark. <laughs> Right. Like, I like the word Mark, and I I also use myself to, like, I'll describe myself as, like, oh, yeah, I'm a teen, I'm a teen girl movie Mark, like, or, like, oh, I'm an easy Mark for this. Like, I say that all the time, because Mm -hmm. to me, like, that's, it's a neutral expression. The same, but the thing is, like, any word can be weaponized. Like, I use the word fat as a neutral descriptor constantly, Mm -hmm. like, especially for myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fat bitch. Like, that's what I am. So then, like, when people try to use that to me as an insult, I'm like, that's a neutral descriptor. Like, that, that's not going to affect me. But that word can be weaponized, and it mm-hmm. can be used in a negative way. And, like, that's, I think, where the important distinction is. So, like, something like Mark, like, if I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an easy Mark for this, like, that's fine. But if some stranger who I don't know, like, reads one of my wrestling takes and is like, all right, Mark... Like, then it's going to sting a little bit because then I'm like, oh, I know that you're trying to hurt, like, hurt me with this word. Like, you're trying to use it negatively. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but like, as a general word, like, it just, I know exactly what somebody means when they say they're a mark for something. Like, there's a huge yeah. difference between like, oh, yeah, I'm a mark for this or, oh, I marked out really hard over this versus mm-hmm. like, shut up, mark. Like, there's a difference. Definitely. And like. I don't know if anyone referred to you as a busted can of biscuits the way I do. It's probably not coming from the the place of love of when we're both being gross with no pants on on the couch. Exactly. Like it's it's the intent. Context. Yeah. Context is important. The intent behind the word is important. But yeah, I think Mark is a neutral descriptor. And I don't know why people like get so busted out of shape for it. Will I use smark as a as as a derogatory term against people that are being smarky? Yeah, because I know it's going to piss him off. But I will fully admit if I'm doing something or saying something that's smarky, I'll be like, all right, I don't want to be a smark about this. But and then, you know, say whatever I want. Because, like, any word can be weaponized. Like, yeah. obviously, we're not classifying slurs with this. Like, that's their, they're their own yeah, category. Yeah. But, like, any word in general can be weaponized. Even words that are nice can be weaponized. Because you can very easily just be like, oh, wow, you look great today. Like, nothing about that sounded nice or sincere. But I was saying nice and sincere words. Mm-hmm. I would say that's kind of like bless your heart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bless your heart is absolutely one of those terms where it's like, it sounds nice, but mm, was it? I remember uh, this is one of the most weird things, but I remember having a conversation at the bar I used to work at. And uh, it's some, something that I said, someone was telling me a story about something and I went, oh, honey, which was basically my way of being <laughs> like, you sweet summer child. I love you. 
how did this happen? And someone's like, oh, God, did you just get oh, honey? And I was like, why is that bad? It's like, oh, my God, I would be so embarrassed if someone oh, honeyed me. And I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> you're 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 telling on yourself that you have been oh, honeyed a lot. Yeah, I guess that that could be, too. I get that more from uh, how I met your mother, though, because they did have a, an episode where about uh, saying that to somebody who they did. They forgot their name. Like in the retelling oh, really? of the story. So, yeah, every it, the whole thing was every time she would say something dumb, everybody would go, oh, honey. Oh, I never saw that episode. Maybe that's where they got it from. I say it because I just really want to be like a truck stop waitress who gets cigarette ash <laughs> in your eggs and just goes, what do you want, honey? Oh, honey. What, more coffee. Like, I want to be that person in terms of my energy. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, BJ, what you were saying about the word fat. Like, I'm the same way. Like, I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast, but like one of my big nicknames growing up was fat ass. And it was me taking this insult that people would try to throw at me and go, OK, just call me that. And like it really like de-weaponized it to where people mm -hmm. would be like, try to talk shit. I'm like, I don't care. And it was also like on the flip side, like a really good icebreaker. Like there were people that I met for the first time, like around like certain friends and they'd be like, what's your name? Like I say fat ass. They instantly fucking remembered. They were uh, anytime they would see me in the future. They they definitely laughed at the, the first point and they, they'd be like, oh, fat ass. So like, yeah, that's I kind of yeah, that's kind of the same thing, too. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. We're kind of getting to a place culturally where I think that the like obviously the word fat is always going to be loaded because we live in a fat phobic society. So like that's just yeah. part for the course. But culturally, it seems like using fat as an insult is sort of kind of slipping away because people are realizing that like it doesn't hurt feelings as much anymore because like fat liberation and body positivity have gotten so big in recent years. But it's like every other day I'll see something on TikTok where somebody will, you know, say to you, almost exclusively a woman, but they'll say to a woman or a femme presenting person, like, shut up, you're fat, whatever. And they'll just do a reply video. And they're like, thank you for noticing. Like, was this supposed to hurt my feelings? All you did was accurately describe what my body looks like. Like, that's not an insult. So people like it's, it's, taking away that ammo for them because they can't use it if it doesn't actually hurt someone's feelings if it doesn't actually like harm them like um like like drew afulo or i don't actually know how to say her last name um but like her entire account is just like roasting like toxic men who say awful stuff and they all tell her like oh you're fat oh, you're fat and she's like when are you gonna stop using this word it does not hurt my feelings because even if i was fat like that's not a bad thing so mm -hmm. like please try again. And they don't have anything else. Like they just don't. Uh -huh. And I think similarly, like that happens with like a lot of marks, like people learn the word mark and they're like, I'm going to use it because it's mean. And I know it means bad things. And it's like, well, you can't weaponize it against people that it doesn't offend. Like you can't shame somebody who's not ashamed. That's not how that works. Then want to talk about marking out. One of the things that, uh, that gets me every single time is like, any women's wrestler that I follow on Twitter, someone will be like, whatever, you're ugly. And they're like, they get ratioed to hell <laughs> or like uh -huh. someone like Candy Lee is the most ruthless and hilarious person to follow in like wrestling Twitter. I love her so much, but she destroys men yeah, <laughs> where she all she has to say is like, whatever, you're short. And it's like, whatever, I'm six, nine. It's like, nah, you're short. And they go, <laughs> no. And they get so mad. <laughs> Because that's the thing is like you can't be ashamed like you can't feel shame for something you're not ashamed of. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying like
like all these horrible things to people and it doesn't bother them like they're telling you like this is not actually affecting them but the second they say like oh you're short or oh you're whatever like if you get pressed about it like all you're doing is telling on yourself and telling them like yeah you are insecure about this like Mm -hmm. and obviously everybody has insecurities and we shouldn't be weaponizing it but Fully, like, don't bring the heat if you can't stay in the kitchen. Like, don't... Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. No. Yeah, don't do it. Like, what are you... Why Why do people try to mess with people like Nyla Rose and Candy Lee? You know Ugh. you're going to get destroyed. Like, why would you Love even them. attempt? What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so much fun on, on Twitter. I was, I'm kind of upset. I was supposed to, I was going to go out to New Jersey to for a dropkick depression... And then I realized I had like plans on the same day and I'm like, fuck, I could easily cancel those plans. But they're also it's like a surprise birthday for uh, two people that were in my wedding. So I'm like, I yeah, I'm like, I can't cancel that. So I was like, fuck, I really want to kind of meet Nyla Rose. But unfortunately, yeah. So maybe some other time. Yeah, I would love to meet Nyla Rose just because she is so fucking good. Like, how dare she always be like, she's a great heel. I love her as a heel. But God damn it, she I love her so much on Twitter and just consistently one of like the funniest and most crafty people on the Internet as far as like wrestling Twitter goes. Mm-hmm. And yet, like she is purely a heel with Vicky Guerrero and I love them. They're wildly entertaining. But I just I want to cheer for you and and not <laughs> feel like the smart who's like, yeah, I'm cheering for the cool heel. <laughs> I got to interview her um, shortly after her AEW signing. I did a piece for Autostraddle about the queer and trans women um, in, in wrestling. So I got to talk to Nyla and Candy and Allie Catch, who was still Allie Cat at the time. Um, and they're just like such awesome people and gave mm-hmm. such like wonderful insight. And they were just very, very fun to talk to and a very honest, but also very funny. And I, I've loved watching them kind of grow and thrive over the last couple of years from, you know, where they, where they were with their humble beginnings. <laughs> God, I, I get so emotional thinking about Allie in particular and having seen her come up through, honestly, wrestling a lot in Northeast Ohio for AIW and people booed her like she would just start to try she would try to get meow chance going and people were like we're not doing it you suck it was so mean and now like she has she has broken all of them everyone's come around they all love her it i i love her so much and i'm so happy to see her like thriving and everyone loving her and her being a badass and the fucking coolest i i love Allie catch so much <laughs> i think this stems from us not sitting in the same areas like I was always a part of the area that like we loved Alley Cat. Like I was, I think my idea to have a bunch like people bring cat toys and like throw them in the ring instead of uh, like streamers. But this, like this is something uh-huh. that BJ and I have talked about many times to where like where you guys sat and where I sat sound like two different fucking shows. Yeah, and unfortunately, a, um, worlds. And unfor- yeah, real quick, unfortunately, like some of that is starting to leak more because we. A lot of us are catching some stuff and we're like, we're, we are putting our foot down. Like there was uh-huh. a, a, a really bad comment made during a match in February that had Isaiah Broner and pretty boy smooth. Like, Oh yeah. Black history month. And like, mm. I didn't hear it, but people I know heard it. And it's just like, nah, go, go fuck yourself. Don't, we don't want that shit here. We don't want your money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it, it really can be like where you're sitting can make or break the experience. And that's kind of the blessing and the curse of wrestling is that if you're in a mm-hmm. section that's like a lot of fun with like a lot of great people, you're going to have a good time. But like I've been to some shows where just the people that I'm around, like it makes it not fun because mm-hmm. they're saying like really awful stuff. And and this goes across not just indie promotions, but like we went to uh, Fastlane a couple years ago. And I don't know, were they behind us or in front of us? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. There were three dudes right behind us. Oh my God. They were insufferable. And like, they just, everything they said was awful and they were gross. They were were edgelords who were like, oh yeah, I heard that Asuka um, actually hates immigrants. Oh, I heard (laughs) that um, Becky Lynch uses the N word, like just coming up with like ridiculous lies to one up each other for literally everyone that was coming out leading up to like mania the, the mania before uh so i guess it would have been 2019 it was they, they yeah. were the fucking worst and it was just three hours of their unfunny jokes yeah it was it was just awful and then i mean the same thing with like even local shows where i talked about like the you know the early years of of danhausen before obviously danhausen has become who he is like there would be mm-hmm. things where people would just like boo the shit out of him from the back where i was sitting mm-hmm. and i'm like what how how do you do you not like fun like what's wrong with you um Mm -hmm. and it's it's really it's really a shame because i think sometimes like how many people have been like brought to a wrestling show it's like their first time maybe they've never gone before and the audience is why they don't come back because like people are going into business for themselves and like just trying to like Mm -hmm. say things to be heard because they think they're funny or whatever and how many times has that like ruined wrestling for somebody else? Like that's such, it's such a bummer. And obviously you, you should never judge an entire like art form or fandom based on like a small percentage of people. But like that stuff has an impact. Mm-hmm. They're and the loudest ones. They're always the loudest ones. Oh, that, they, they, that the truth. Um, but like when we went to, when we went to wrestling pro wrestling, um, what was really shocking though is just how, because I mean, it's kind of like a, a silly promotion. Like they have, a lot of weird characters like David Arquette came out as Rob Boss dressed like Bob Ross and controlled an angry little tree that wrestled on his behalf. And David Arquette just straight up did a Bob Ross painting in the middle of the ring. Um, it was remarkable. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. But the entire room like bought into that and everyone was on board. So everyone had a good time. Like there was not anybody like trying to be like shitty and clever and cool and saying whatever nonsense they wanted to. Um, and it was a, it was a, I'm not gonna lie, it was a really nice, uh, refresher compared to being at, you know, some, some Midwestern shows where there's always like that same handful of people who drink a little too much and get a little too loud and say some things they definitely shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Unless it's old wrestling, cause that is, I've, I've never heard of a, uh, <laughs> any bullshit like that at old wrestling. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't exist there. That's another, that's because it's one of those promotions where like everybody has kind of bought into it mm-hmm. and uh-huh. they do it, they, they, they do the right thing. Like, um, and something that's always interesting too is, I, I hate when it happens at indie shows because like if it's something at like, like if you're going to see WWE or even to some extent AEW, there's not a whole lot that can be done because it's so huge. It's not as easy to pinpoint who said it, who did what. But in indie shows, like a lot of times the people in the ring, like they can not only hear what you're saying, but they can see you and they can make eye contact mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Like 
like Ethan Page should not have to stop his match to tell somebody to not say transphobic shit. Like that yep. shouldn't have to be part of his job. Um, it should not be part of any indie wrestler's job. They're here to wrestle, and like, yeah, there's crowd work, but this is not stand up. Why are you heckling them? Like, calm down. <laughs> uh-huh. Even like, I remember the time BJ you called out some fans because they uh, they were yelling shit to Brit about Adam Cole. It was unbelievable. It was so ridiculous where it's like, just let her do her thing and let her be like, let her perform, like stop yelling to her about her partner. And because people love to do that. And the thing is, they don't really do it to to men. They almost exclusively do it to women wrestlers who happen yep. to be like dating other wrestlers. Like they love to do that. It's like you look at, you know, even on the bigger stage, you look at somebody like Brie Bella and like how frequently do people do like Brian Danielson chants at her and sometimes she starts it and, you know, that's cute, but sometimes she doesn't. And it's like, leave her alone. Like, let her do what she wants to do. And people just, they can't, they can't deal with it. And, and it's not even always negative too. Like, I've been to a couple of shows where like people are either retiring for, because of injury or mm-hmm. they're getting called up to the big leagues and it's their final show. And there's always some mark ass motherfucker in the, in the crowd who's like yelling through their like farewell speech. And it's like, what are you doing, my dude? Like, who asked you to do this? No one. No one wants this right now. You are being a loud toddler in the middle of a wedding. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> That's the only way I could I could think about it, like because it happened when um like when Magnum CK left. I'm not gonna say who, but there was at least one person who was a little drunk who was like yelling throughout his entire farewell speech, and it's like shut the fuck up, like this is like a serious moment. This is not time for you to go into business with your for yourself. Like what? Stop it! And people just like they just can't like ah. I don't think like do we need etiquette classes? Like how do we fix this? <laughs> <laughs> I would happily teach a wrestling etiquette class. Are you kidding? That'd be so fun. Why do I have a feeling I know who you're talking about? Because you probably do. Um, <laughs> they were standing right behind me. I know exactly who it was. Okay, yeah, yeah I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's stuff like that where I'm like, you're making it not fun for everyone else. And like wrestling is when you have a good room and like there's a great match going on, like it is the most fun in the entire world. Like there's nowhere else I would rather be. Don't ruin it for everybody because you want to feel like Mr. Cool for like, I don't know, an hour. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? (laughs) First rule of wrestling etiquette class is no what chance. Yeah. And and then right after that is no more one fall shit. (laughs) (laughs) I've decided I was trying to figure this out the other day when we were watching uh, uh, AEW, but I was like, I think the thing that I hate the most at this point isn't even like one fall stuff i hate the one guy who's very confident in like like showing like nope it was two and like waving the the two fingers at the whole room like nope I, did you see it it was two it was only two and it's like yeah we know thank you thank you you did know the the match is continued so i know that it was not a three count thank you for your service please put your arm down the bell didn't ring Right. <laughs> he's there to try change. and reinf- he's trying to make sure that there is no schmas. D- we don't want a screw job here tonight. And this man is there to ensure it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, person who spent way too much money for that front row seat. We, we appreciate your dedication to the craft. <laughs> oh, the next show I watch, I'm going to f- I'm going to find that person. I'm going to go fucking damn you, BJ. <laughs> I wasn't paying I attention to this. <laughs> 
there's like a couple like rules of thumb that I have for that. Like one of them too is like if you see somebody in the purple Macho Man shirt, you have to drink. Um, yep. Because there's, there's always at least two like on camera side. You'll you'll find them. <laughs> and you got to pay really close attention because there's a good chance it might be someone else. Like the, I think Janella has those. Mm-hmm. Um, Velveteen Dream had those. So uh, not seeing those as much these days, but like. Yeah, everyone's even parodying it. So now you have to be like extra good with your Where's Waldo of the drinking game Macho Man shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty popular shirt. I have like three versions of it alone. <laughs> like, and they're, they're I mean, all, it's classic. They're all Macho Man, but it's just like, what was it? I think I bought one at FYE, bought one from Homage and one from uh, WWE Shop. And they're, they're mm-hmm. all like a different shade of purple. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. It's 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 easy. Like probably one of the most iconic shirts uh wrestling shirts of all time i mean obviously probably like nwo and austin and hulkamania like stuff but i know that's one like it's always cool Mm -hmm. oh but of especially of the 80s before things got became like really really marketable in like the 90s i think that's probably the most iconic like specific like single t-shirt of the 80s Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like every macho man shirt that he probably ever had that's like the only one that most of us can like think of like that in uh, the WCW NWO one where he uh, won't well, besides the, there's madness, but there's also like the one where he's he's like it behind uh, these jail bars or something. <laughs> like that's, that's the only other one I can think of, but it's always the fucking purple one. The purple one is there, fucking awesome. There's one or two I can think of that are like pictures of like him specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that reminds me. I have like some sick 1990 wrestling bed sheets where he's macho king and I was going to turn him into a circle skirt like. Fuck, I need to get on that. <laughs> They'll go great with you. Totally, um, totally just derailed my our own conversation going like, oh, that's right. I have arts and crafts to do that I forgot about. <laughs> They'll, uh, it'll go great with your Macho Man sunglasses. Ah, uh, yeah. Thing is, those are those are slightly later. That's a little bit more of like the Macho Man of like WCW. But like, I think we can swing it. It's, it's on a white fabric, so I think it'll be OK. OK. Yes. And then that one person who goes and sees you wear this outfit and go, uh, actually, that person, <laughs> we can call a Mark-ass motherfucker with no no sadness in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fucking gatekeeping culture. Like, lately, uh, I started following Shay McCoy on TikTok, and they do, uh, mm-hmm. they do a, a gatekeeping like series. Like they just did one where they were wearing a, a nine inch nail shirt and somebody came up and I'm like, Oh, can you name all the members of nine inch nails? And they go, Oh no, no, I can't, I can't do it. But just, just <laughs> as a joke, I'm like, and I know they did another one like that too, but it, I, yeah, fucking gatekeeping culture is so like, yeah. so fucking annoying. Yeah. I think that like, I think you kind of have to take the piss out of it at this point because like arguing or even even fulfilling the quiz of it is ridiculous like a dear friend of mine like works for Fangoria like works for them proper in the marketing department and she posted that she was wearing a Fangoria t-shirt and some guy came up to her and it was like whoa cool shirt like you know that's a horror magazine right and she's like yeah I work for them and he's <laughs> like oh well I mean, like, well, what's your favorite horror movie? And it's just like, why do you do, why are you doing that? What are you achieving here by doing that? Because 
right now you are the, the president of the no fun club and no one wants to hang out with you. <laughs> like, this is not fun. Um, well, yeah. And you can't win with people like that. Like if someone were to ask me like, oh, who are your favorite wrestlers? And I'd be like, well, one of them is Asuka. And they'd be like, oh, well, actually, her name is Kana. And I'm like, if I had answered that, you would have been like, um, actually, uh, she's currently going by Asuka. So like that, it's you don't win with yeah, these people win. when you give them an answer because they will have some smart ass response to tell you that you're wrong either way. Yeah, like I deal with it a lot as somebody who like I fell off of wrestling during the Attitude Era and I've talked about this publicly before because it was not a cool time to be a girl and a fan of wrestling because it was like exceptionally shitty to women at this time. Like it was awful. And whenever I tell people like they'll say like, oh, yeah, Attitude Era was the best era. And I'm like, I really didn't watch a lot of it. Like I've seen all of the matches now at this point, all the stuff that I need to. But ultimately, like I really wasn't into it. And they're like, oh, how could you call yourself a wrestling fan if you weren't into that? And I was like, uh, because I didn't want to see women in brawn panty matches every weekend. Like, no, that wasn't my thing at that time period. And it was really not cool to be like a 12 year old that was into wrestling when it was a bunch of 12 year old boys telling me that like I was like a dumb hoe because if you're a girl in wrestling, then like you must be part of the hoe train. Like that shit sucked. I didn't like that. That does not mean that I'm no like not a good wrestling fan. It means like I set boundaries as a preteen and stuck with them. That's what that means. Yeah, every I always say people over glorify the attitude era where there's some parts about it that were great. Yeah, but you know, as much as like a lot of people now are more behind women's wrestling, it's like, yeah, there there really wasn't any. And I will always point to my favorite era, which is the new generation era. I'm like, yeah, they they at least had granted it was just like Alundra Blaze running through opponents, but Mm-hmm. that's a more than they had. I mean, the fact that we had a Lundra blaze versus bull Nagano, like that was my introduction to bull Nagano. And now she's mm-hmm. one of my favorite women's wrestlers of all time. Oh, she's so talented. She's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's very much the WWE thing, which I, I love people calling them out on Twitter these days. Uh, by the way, I, I hate wrestling Twitter, but also I have a lot of fun with wrestling. <laughs> but um, I really love the people who, anytime someone tries to post a fact or whatever, they're like, Hey, um, please learn about wrestling history from places other than WWE documentaries. And that's so much of what is like the preservation of a lot of wrestling history is like whatever the narrative WWE spins is or whatever they deem necessary to remember. So that's why people think the Attitude Era is so great because, oh, well, uh, here's all of the highs and we gloss over all of like the kind of bullshit lows, which is a lot of it. And also like, wow, wasn't the new generation era bad? Because in 1995, uh, King Mabel versus Kevin Nash, that's all it was mm-hmm. so i it's the very um d- dare i say that heel daniel bryan was very right in calling wrestling fans fickle <laughs> oh yeah and then the thing that i do love now just in general is how the landscape is changing and especially like when there's a been a push over the last handful of years about just representation like mm-hmm. we're finding ways for everybody to get uh, represented is it more on the independent level yes but the fact that like we have, you know, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, we have For the Culture. And there's, I mean, there's the thing about I love about the black wrestler shows is they're becoming more just than the uh, For the Culture. There's other promotions doing it. It's like, great. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Give everybody representation. I'm, I'm fucking for it. Like, give everybody an opportunity to fall in love with wrestling, not just, you know, white dudes. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I love like, because wh- what we're starting to see is like these, these quote unquote, like specialized shows are showcasing talent that a lot of people may not 
have heard of otherwise. And this is like their chance to, to shine. And then they get plucked into other shows and they get booked other places. Cause it's like, Hey, I saw you in the show and you were amazing. And like, this is what we talk about when we say like why equity is important. It's like, yes, you do need to have the shows like for the culture and Effie's big gay brunch, because a lot of these other promotions, they've not seen a lot of these other wrestlers before. They don't know how talented and capable they are because they've not been given a fair shake, probably mm-hmm. because like, oh, well, we already have two black guys on for this show, so we can't mm-hmm. have any more. Like that backwards ass mm-hmm. mentality. Um, so when you get to ha- give them this new audience, then that also puts them under the eyes of like new promoters, which is great. Like I hate that that's like how it has to be, but it's working. Like you think about like, look how like the meteoric rise of somebody like Effie is like, should be studied. Like, mm-hmm, it's yeah. mm-hmm. Amazing. That's a, that's a dude that just grinded. Like I remember when he was like mostly in, in Florida and like, I got friends down there, like do podcasts and everything. And they were like really close to him and like, kind of like turned me on to him. I'm like, Oh, you know, check out this guy and blah, blah, blah. And like his interviews are always great and funny and just mm-hmm. seeing like where he is now. And like, be too able to have like your own show around something about just being you know, LGBTQ, like something like you're so, somewhere in there, you're on one of these shows and it, I know like so many people that um, definitely turn to it one way or another. Like uh, my friend Sarah, like they do, uh, they did the photography for that show because you know, they're, they're non-binary and uh, I don't want to, miss say anything but i know at least non-binary so it's kind of like mm-hmm. cool to see like we're not just throwing anybody into the, the any position here it's like okay we want total representation mm-hmm. like everywhere and yeah it's so fucking awesome i know one of the craziest things i found out recently about one of the uh, about a gay wrestler uh he, he's known now uh pero mm-hmm. ah yes i used to watch him wrestle under another gimmick and i didn't even fucking know it he, oh really? He wrestled as this like simple character uh known as Mikey. And there was a promotion that booked him here in like 2011. And the only uh-huh. way I could describe it is like and this is me being honest, it was basically like Eugene turned up. So oh like, no. Yeah, so it was like, oh, then someone told me like they finally put two and two together cuz like Mikey's such a s- standard wrestling name that even like with Cage Match, it's hard to connect everybody that goes by Mikey. Mm-hmm. The ones they're telling me like, oh yeah, the, Pero's Mikey. I'm like, no fucking way. Holy shit. Like watching what he was able to do, at least get away from that gimmick. And like now, like, yeah, like hands down one of the, like probably like top five gay wrestlers that people know of. Yeah, definitely. And like his a- match against Effie for like the rights to be daddy. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Fucking so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Let's start to wrap this show up and get into the Fave 5 Questions. Hey, this is Booker T, five-time champ, and this is the Fave 5 Questions. Now, can you dig it? All right. BJ's been on here before. I have a list of the questions I've already asked her, so I'm going to do this a little bit different. I'm going to give you a question to both of you, but then Harmony, I'm going to give you one of BJ's questions that he's already answered, just because I can get your take on it. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, these are- I'm really bad at stuff like this. This is going to be a mess. I might oh. have to scream at BJ mid this thing and go, BJ, what do I like? <laughs> uh, let's go with 
the one for both of you. And this is the Jocelyn Navarro question. Tacos or burritos? Burritos. I'm going to go taco because I'm a texture eater. Okay. And I, I like that I can get a variety of different tortillas on that. I can be like white person taco night and have store-bought crunchy. <laughs> I can have good good corn tortilla. I can have good flour tortilla. I got options. I'm going to go taco. I see. I I like burritos because I don't need to eat like five of them to be satisfied. You can knock one big burrito out and call it a day. Plus, I think the burrito is a lot more receptive to being Americanized and like bastardized. Mm-hmm. Like Taco Tano's in Cleveland is one of my favorite places to get a burrito and I can get a cheeseburgerito there. And <laughs> I it like conceptually, that is a mistake. Taste wise, it is my jam. And I I like that you ha- that people accept that a little bit more, I think, with the burrito. If you'd made like a cheeseburger taco, I think people would be like, come on now. Yeah, that's true. Even they, they tried the, at least in my opinion, they tried that waffle taco. And I'm like, granted, I like waffles. I like tacos. But trying to like do this whole thing of like, oh, it's a taco. I'm like, no, it's. Yeah, the waffle taco did not work. The breakfast crunch wrap, however, I would give my life for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. But a crunch wrap is is not authentic food. That is some American <laughs> bullshit for fat people like myself. <laughs> Maybe oh. we'll have Taco Bell for dinner tonight. Who knows? Oh my god, that sounds great. What a great You said it, now it's happening. <laughs> ah, RIP the Mexican pizza. Speaking of bastardized American hey, food. It's coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's so. supposed to come back. I thought it was April, so we're in April. Yeah, we're getting Yeah. Close. We'll see. I, I have to go. You have to go to the source. Like you have to drink from the fat, like from the mouth of the river, in order to get a Mexican pizza because they go sour in like two minutes. They get real soggy real fast. That's true. I've never had a Mexican pizza, but I know uh, when it comes out, I or when it comes back out, I want to finally try it because they kind of did a smart thing. The fact that they took it away, I was kind of like, well, like I kind of want it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, like when they got rid of like Coke Classic and then they brought it back as Coke Classic. Mm-hmm. It's all marketing. We're all just pawns in a game. <laughs> you got to make people want you. You got to make people miss you in order to really love you. <laughs> and when it comes to the Crunchwrap, the triple double Crunchwrap is, oh, my God, the best. I wish that was around all the time. Same. <laughs> all right. Uh, Harmony, your question that BJ has already answered Step Brothers or Talladega Nights? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I saw Talladega Nights on a date in high school, and we both left the theater going, that wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> but um, I'm going to be real with you. I, I, I have issues with Will Ferrell as a leading man. Uh, I think he's better in doses 90% of the time. I love John C. Riley. I, I think I go with Talladega Nights, though, because it was not quoted to death by guys who thought they were funny. And like the NASCAR isms kind of speak to my redneck upbringing in a way that I at least appreciate. Yeah, I think uh, BJ said Talladega Nights, too. I'm Talladega Nights as well. Uh, definitely. Th- I think just adding in NASCAR makes it really funny, like funnier. Mm-hmm. And then you add uh Sasha in it like he's fucking good too he's Sasha good in everything Roy, yeah he's such an underrated performer because I think people get so hung up on like 
oh, he's Borat and he does like, that's his shtick is like playing these characters and like duping people. But it's like, um, he's like one of the best parts of Les Mis. Like he's so He's the talented. only good part of Les Mis. <laughs> he's the only part where I have absolutely no criticisms of because he's phenomenal. Also, I love that he's British and putting on a French accent in this movie full of Americans pretending to be French. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Anne Hathaway's really good in that movie. She she's amazing. For a reason? <laughs> yeah, it's just I have no criticism with Anne Hathaway. Fair enough. I mean, everybody talks about Borat, but I guess we don't talk about Bruno. Ah, uh, <laughs> finger guns. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made a tweet like that because, like, once I heard that song, I was like, "Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno." Like nobody does. I did get to write an article uh, for work over at Slash Film called "Like Who's Bruno and Why Does Disney Hate Him So Much?" Because <laughs> Because there's a line in Luca that's Silencio Bruno, which is basically like the intrusive thought in your head. They just gave him a name to tell him to shut up. And I went through the history of like characters that are either named Bruno or are closely named Bruno. And for the most part, almost all of them have like not super good storylines. So it's like, Disney, who hurts you? (laughs) Somebody named Bruno. Okay, question for both of you. Question number two, Oreos or Chips Ahoy? Oh. See, important question, I guess, in this question. Are they by themselves or is milk a factor? Up to your interpretation. Okay. I would say, because I can say this confidently, that without milk, it is chips ahoy because Oreos are bullshit dry. But with milk, Oreos stomps chips ahoy. That's pretty much how I was feeling about it. Like, I like Chips Ahoy a lot. I do not like the chewy ones. Those are, like, weird science and, like, the texture of it, like, freaks me out and I don't like it. I prefer the chewy ones. You're a psychopath. (laughs) Hey, my favorite cookie, aside from peanut butter, which is a chewy cookie, is a snickerdoodle, which is also a chewy cookie. See, here's the thing. There's a difference between, like, a soft and chewy cookie that's made by design or, like, we just made Chips Ahoy but then made it chewy. Like, that is weird to me. Like, that is some witchcraft that i'm i don't know you 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 ever be at like a rite aid or a gas station and get one of those like big cookies by like grandma or whatever those are soft cookies those are different (laughs) soft cookies like why are are they different because they're intentionally made to be soft cookies chewy chips ahoy tastes like chips ahoy but they don't have the texture of a chips ahoy and it breaks my brain and i don't like it i hate (laughs) it. these are chips ahoy that were genetically designed to be chewy what do you mean they're not designed to be soft and chewy that's what they literally were marketed and designed Um, but i'm also gonna go with oreo uh, with milk and also Oreo has like all their like weird flavors so there's also variety and I like that. I mean technically Chips Ahoy has their variety I too but I think Oreo probably edges them out. Oh yeah. And Oreo like, is like Kit Kat in Japan. Like there's just a mm-hmm. thousand flavors. Mm-hmm. Do you have favorite version of Oreo? Uh, birthday cake because I'm garbage and I like anything Ew. artificially frosting flavored. I'm not I'm 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 fairly partial to the the mint ones. I like mint and chocolate. The I feel like those are kind of underrated because I've always said they taste like Girl Scout cookies. They do. Kinda. They kind of taste like thin mints, but yeah. they have like the texture of Oreo, which is nice. Yeah, so if you yeah. you're, you're in a thin mint mood and you know you you've ran out of your supply and it's like the middle of, you know, summer, it's like okay, you know, you can you can yeah. at least get your fix that way. Mint chocolate is like a reliable dark horse flavor that people don't give enough credit, period. It's always refreshing. It's nice because like you yeah. get chocolate, but like mint for whatever reason, I think tricks your brain into being like, hmm, this is nice and clean because it's mint. <laughs> when it's, like, it's, it's, it's got like still a freshness. Yeah. yeah, fresh. That's a good that's a good word for it. Like, I know I love Andy's mints. 
Like, oh yeah. Whenever I uh, go to Rockney's and that's like place that I know that they give you it with your bill, like like I'm always like, hell yeah. Like half the time I forget that they do it too, but I just had it recently. So I'm like, hell yeah. And then I think recently, cause uh, the server felt bad for me. We went there on St. Patrick's day. I wanted corned beef and cabbage and a Guinness. They were mm-hmm. out of corned beef and cabbage. So I got uh, a Reuben and instead of a Guinness, cause they were all out, which I was like, okay, I understand corned beef and cabbage, but like, how do you run out of a beer? You did not, you didn't expect this for St. Patrick's day, but I was like, whatever. They gave me uh, the, Great Lakes uh, Conway ale thing that they have. Ugh, and I love Conway's. Yeah, it, it, I will say it was good, but I was definitely wanting Guinness. So like when we, we got the bill, we got some Andy's mints. And then like after we had paid, she came back and brought more. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And my wife was like, you can have mine. I'm like, yeah. Uh, it's like uh, d- 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 side point. I don't know what any of the breweries are like out here and I go places and I don't know, have any idea what to get because like Northeast Ohio and Cleveland in particular has so many good local beers that I know Mm. precisely what I liked. Like I miss Urban Artifact. I miss my, like Conway's is my favorite red ale. I miss that. Like if you're looking for a stout and you get a red ale, those aren't really quantifiably similar at all. So I get why you would be like, oh, it's not a Guinness. Like, I don't, it's weird. That's like one of the biggest changes of being out here. I worked in a bar for a sec and people are like, how do you feel about these? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck any of these brands are. What are you asking me? I do have a friend that lives somewhere out in California. I might ask her for some uh, good beer out there. And I, I know she likes craft beer. So I might, I might have to get back to you on that one. We were oh, really okay. close to a brewery called Golden Road, and I don't drink beer because it the bubbles don't disappear fast enough, and it makes me feel funny with, you know, my weird robot GI system post-cancer. But I know that they have very, very good ciders, and I've enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, and they seem to be ones that people like, so we should probably just go there sometime. We'll go there, and then we'll go about one block down the street to the all-new Gentleman's Club. Yes. <laughs> And then we go down the street like one more block and we can hit Habitat for Humanity Restore and make a whole day of it. <laughs> yeah, we can we can go get drunk. We can go uh, watch some people do some lovely topless dancing and then buy a new couch. It'll be a perfect day. Yeah. You and I have never gone to a strip club before. We totally should. Yeah, why haven't we? Oh, yeah, the, a lot of reasons, but mostly because the last almost three years of our lives have been inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And again, like being in a new city, I don't know what my favorite strip club was. I knew what my favorite strip club was in Cleveland, damn it. I can safely say it's probably going to be Jumbo's Clown Room out here. For ah, me. Jumbo's. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, most likely. We'll see. That just sounds like a fun place. I would go like, oh, what, what's this? Oh, strip. OK, I got to check this out. I've driven by Jumbo's Clown Room so many times, taking a coworker home who lived very close to like the shop that uh, like they lived like one block over from like the magic shop from the craft, <laughs> which is like one block down the street from Jumbo's clown room. All right, Harmony, your second question that BJ already answered favorite game show of all time. <sighs> um, does Takeshi's castle count? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh no, no, not Takeshi's castle. It's American gladiators. Damn it. <laughs> Does that count? Do, do physical challenges like that count as a game show or is it like an athletic competition? I, I mean, I would say that was a game show. Not, it's not like a traditional like quiz game show, but it's a game show. Yeah, you oh, my God. I, 
It's true. I became so obsessed with American Gladiators in the last year because there is a dedicated like competition sports kind of thing on Pluto where they had an American Gladiators channel for a while. And uh, it was what I would watch every night before bed. (laughs) Um, And then eventually they got rid of that and it got incorporated into like Wipeout UK and MXC and like Indonesia to Geshi's Castle and American Gladiators and I love the idea of like roided up, beautiful, like men and women in tight outfits, absolutely like dropping random civilians on their head. Like (laughs) they will just pick up Craig, the tax attorney from like Houston, Texas, and like break his ankle because there's a full contact roid sport. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) An important distinction. We're talking about the, the 80s American Gladiators, not that weird reboot that Hulk Hogan did with Gina Carano. God, that one is so boring in comparison. It's so <laughs> sterile. I hate it. I don't even think I, I want to watch Gemini and Malibu and especially Turbo and Nitro because they're little dudes with anger issues. God, I want to watch them destroy people and then watch beautiful, muscly women. I It's basically pro wrestling as a game show. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I always love the the gun game where. Oh, they had all those so, like, nerf guns or whatever. And you had to like hit the yeah. target. So, so here's my favorite thing about that segment. Um, I'm losing it. I'm so sorry. In the first season, it was real low budget. Uh, Mike Adam Lee was the host of American Gladiators, by the way. And he was not good in WWE because these are the parallels we're drawing. And bless him. He's actually a very good host on American Gladiators. But in the first season, they would be like, uh, it, that that segment is called assault. So they would be like, and up next, after the commercial break, women's assault. <laughs> <laughs> the were, optics are so bad. We were sitting on the couch just like having a good time. I fully admit like one wonderful thing about living in California. I can have edibles delivered to my door. It's the best thing. Um, so I was definitely a, a little cheebed. And we're watching this and having a good time. And I'm not paying attention to the screen. And I just hear my cat and like, go, next up, women's assault. And I like got whiplash because I like turned my whole body. And I was like, what did he just say? And on the screen is like some... Uh, like it looks like a like a very very primitive like powerpoint because like an image just like flies in and then the font flies in and like in big bold letters it just says women's assault and i'm like (sighs) how many hands did this get through no one thought like hey guys maybe not this phrase (laughs) oh my god it's incredible i love the hot mess that is american gladiators especially season one (laughs) when they're figuring out the rules as it's going on it's amazing it's it's incredible (laughs) nothing was better than the episode with uh steve urkel and carl winslow oh what was that a thing it was an episode of family matters where where they went on the show Gotcha. God, like I love random bits of TV. Um, I've I've seen a single episode of Charmed in my life because we happened to see that on Pluto. And it was the episode where it was a crossover with WCW. And it was like Booker T, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell, which Buff Bagwell is like one of the biggest redemption stories of the year. I love him so much right now. But I'm like, BJ, is this what Charmed is like all the time where they like wrestle large men? And like, no, it's nothing like this. I'm like, why is it not like this all the time? (laughs) Maybe if there was an episode of like that of Buffy, you would want to watch it. Maybe. (laughs) Where's where's Scott Steiner for Buffy? I'll rock up for that. I want to watch that unhinged mess. 
God, that'd be... Oh, if we had ever had, like, Scott Steiner on, like, a TV show, like, the, the Scott Steiner we all know and love, oh, my God, that'd be great. Imagine, like, the only one I could think he'd be, like, perfect for. Imagine him on, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Put him on Whose Line Is It Anyway? I feel like that is the most unhinged thing imaginable, and it's precisely what I would want. <laughs> Specifically, like, peak, like, 2002 Scott Steiner. Yes. Yes. Oh, goodness. I'm a little lightheaded. (laughs) (laughs) You just got too hype about American Gladiators and Scott Steiner. I have a really, like, primal reaction to American Gladiators. It's like, I get so amped. (laughs) All right. uh, Question number three for both of you. This is one of my newer questions, and I think it's like something nobody talks about. A little personal, but it's not that bad. What kind of deodorant do you wear? Oh, I'm a shit show right now. You Um, just switched brands. I just switched brands. I've been switching through brands every couple of months. Um, I've inherited some sort of like my armpit hates everything disease from my dad. Um, mm-hmm. So everything like makes me break out or like get a rash or whatever. It's such a pain. I used to be like ride or die for Old Spice because I also hate the smell of women's deodorant. It mm-hmm. all it just I don't like it. It smells it's 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 not that it's like too girly or anything like that. I just my my pheromones work better with like more masculine scents. Mm-hmm. So, what do you like? Uh, Bear Glove? Is that is that your brand? Uh, I do like Bear Glove a lot, but I was doing like Old Spice Sport for a while. Um, and then suddenly my body was like, we don't like Old Spice anymore. You can never wear it again. So then I tried this like prescription y type stuff, and now my body's rejecting it again. So now I'm trying like a Dove for Men thing. I know that ultimately what's going to end up happening is I'm going to have to just start using Speedstick's musk scent, which is the deodorant that my dad uses because he's been using that for 40 years with no issues and everything makes him break out. So I'm just very slowly on my path to eventually becoming my dad. But hopefully this like new Dove stuff is fine so I don't have to get there quite as fast. But uh, that's my future is just smelling like my dad. It's fine. We're both slowly turning into your dad. <laughs> That's I'm okay with it. My dad's a rad dude, so it's fine. He is. I, I love Ron. Um, my brand, I specifically have like the Dove one because I I don't like the the gel ones. They, they there's almost like a it dries you out in a way where I feel like my armpits are sticking to them to mm-hmm. each other. Like mm-hmm. it's deodorizing by sucking the moisture out of me. Um, I use the Dove brand because it feels a little more sleek. Uh, and then like, I don't know, that creamy white thing makes me feel a little more like I can move my arms. <laughs> um, I specifically like the pomegranate one or the uh, like cucumber one because I don't like super intense floral smells. For me, I, I'm a huge Old Spice person. Like, yeah, I've used it like most of my life. And recently I've done this thing where now I actually use four different kinds of deodorants, all Old Spice, but I'll just like. One day I'll like oh I'll grab this one. The next day I'm like oh, I'm mm-hmm. feeling feeling this one. It's in between Swagger, Fresh, Pure Sport, and it was mentioned earlier, Bear Glove. I like Bear Glove. I I wore Bear Glove for a while. Bear Glove. It's like at least for me, I feel like it's this like a more of a masculine scent, but there's kind of like a fruit in there too, mm-hmm. to where it, like it doesn't smell like as musky. But I've, yeah. I I fucking like first time I tried, I was like ooh because I think it was 
I got like a shower thing of like a bunch of swagger stuff. And like, they just introduced bear glove. It's like, here's a free like sample for a uh, bear glove. And I tried to like, Oh, I really like this. So I switched <laughs> to that for a while, but now I'm like, I feel like all these scents, uh, I've used at one point in my life and some, especially like fresh. That was the, that was the deodorant I got in fifth grade when we had like the puberty class and like <laughs> every kid got a certain packet, like when they separated boys to girls and like, I used that for a while. So like it brings me back and I really love it. But just to be like switch in between them, like, I don't know, the, I can always smell it more now too. Instead of like, after you've had a deodorant for a while, it's like you don't smell it at all. And like, uh-huh. it kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I like to smell like, I like to know that I smell nice. You know, I don't like to be unaware of my smell. So no, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Harmony, your third question. And th- this one's a tough one. Uh oh. I, I, I had to make uh, BJ pick between children here. Favorite flavor of pop tarts. Ah, see, I am not a huge pop tart tart connoisseur. Oh. I can say comfortably. It is not the, uh, like the brown sugar cinnamon one. Uh, that is, that is not my boo. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a radical child of the nineties, but that, uh, that specific berry one that they put a wild lot of hype berry? into marketing. I'm, I'm kind of down with wild berry a little bit. Okay. That's a, that's I think a... it's just because I, I think it's like a bodacious choice where like they really hyped it up as like an eight year old. And then that hype has never really died down. Yeah. I remember that hype. I remember when that came out, that was, that was a crazy time. And it's like, it's one that like people forget about. Like a lot of people go for like the classics, but yeah. There's still a lot of good ones out there. Like some of the ones recently that I love, I haven't had it in a little while, but like Ego, like Ego waffle pop tarts are fucking good. Is that a thing? I didn't even realize that was a thing. Oh yeah. It's a thing. And and somehow it works. Sure. We just got a new little toaster thing to, we maybe we'll give, maybe we'll give those a spin. Yeah. I I like upgraded and we got like a fancy like toaster oven. That's also an air fryer and I haven't tried it yet, but I'm, very excited it was one of those like watching a tiktok thing of somebody who's like we try out weird products so you don't have to and i was like oh i need that i need it and i'm very excited because i have a frozen bag of chicken fries from aldi that desperately need air fried (laughs) i wish we could get an air fryer our apartment like as a whole is small and our kitchen is like horribly small of like we want one we could afford one we don't have a counter space for one because it's oh, like, okay, bummer. where are we going to put it? Even if it was like, okay, we can just pull it out when we need it. Okay. We don't have the cupboard space for it. So we have like <laughs> nowhere for it. So we've talked about when we eventually move and like probably get a house. Like, yeah, that's like top of the list. Like, we want a fucking air fryer. Priorities, you know. Question number four for both of you. Best Starburst flavor. <clears throat> Strawberry is the easy answer. Like that pink one. But if you get the like pink and red like only pack that they sell, they have a pink one that's watermelon, and that is my jam. I didn't even know a watermelon one existed, or at least, well, maybe that's what, is that like a tropical, right? A regular tropical flavor? It or? might be in their in their tropical pack, but they they've started selling like bags where it's just like the pinks and the reds, and there's a watermelon one in there, and it is just whoo, it is so good. I feel like. There is one Starburst flavor that everyone's like, if this is your favorite, you're a monster. And I don't remember which one it is. So, <laughs> I mean, I know my favorite is not the pink one. Uh, dare I say might be the yellow, the lemon. 
That is the one that if you like it, then you're a monster. <laughs> okay, cool. Glad to know that that's my choice. <laughs> um, I, it's fine. I See, the thing is, I don't like lemon heads, which are like the premier lemon candy, but I am I all, I'm, I'm about the lemon starburst. I'm okay with that. Like second place would be the red one, whatever that is, like cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't usually like fake cherry things because they taste a little too much like medicine, but like I'm down to clown with that. Yeah, cherry cherry is one of my favorites. I think the only one I don't really care for it, I just because it's it's pretty bland and that's orange. Like, yeah, man, orange yeah. is just kind of there. Yeah, like it tastes like every other orange thing. It's, I don't know. It's just it's just not that even like the they don't have the C four energy drinks of Starburst flavor. Like orange is like <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, I mean, if you hey, if you had swapped out that yellow and that yellow was banana instead, then I will throw down because I fucks with some fake banana i mentioned this last time uh with bj my wife hates everything banana like artificial flavor (laughs) regular flavor um actual bananas themselves like even the sight of them like especially if they've been bruised like she'll want to throw up (laughs) oh no So I always have to get like my banana things when I'm not around her. Like it's just to be nice. She's even told me that we were just talking about this like today or yesterday. She's like, you, you can get it. Like it's, it's okay. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm being nice to you. Cause I know like it was like last year, me and some friends went down to a toy vomit toy store in Lexington, Kentucky. And there was a, a cookout nearby. And since it was like a, such a long drive and we got on the way back, like I got the, banana pie i think it is banana pie shake mm-hmm. like because i was like well I'm, I'm not gonna see her for a couple hours like fuck it get it now and oh yeah. god that was so good it had like vanilla wafers <laughs> in it too oh ah oh. see that's that's me when bj had to like go out of town and i ordered like 60 dollars worth of food from a place around the corner called crab avenue and i just started eating nothing but seafood like that whole week because <laughs> like it can't be in the house it'll kill her <laughs> Yes, I'm very allergic to all fish, but especially shellfish. All right, uh, Harmony, your fourth question. Rank the fast food chicken nuggets between McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. Oh, no. I'm not a person who eats a lot of fast food. Uh, Wendy's has the spicy nugs, yeah? Yes, they do. Ah, Wendy's spicy nugs are, are, are number one. And I think I, I think I go Burger King, then McDonald's, because... I get sick from McDangers unless it's breakfast. So, like, that's the comfortable last. Putting McDonald's third is so rare. I should say, is it not, really? Yeah. Most people, like, it's it's a toss-up between McDonald's and Wendy's. And Burger okay. King is kind of like this, their nuggets aren't that great. And the other two are just better one way or another. And it's See, rare for anybody to put Burger King higher than three. That's the thing is like if I was doing like fuck Mary Kill and as far as these chicken nuggets go, like it, it they're they are they are very staunch placements because Wendy's has the spicy nugs, so they win. Burger King is like the eh one. Like it's fine. I don't like it. I don't hate it. And the McDonald's I actively get sick from, so it's like these are really distinct placements for me. See what we also though have out here is we now have Jack in the box, like at our ready disposal. And they have these like popcorn chicken nug things and they have a spicy version and they are like on another level. They're so good. (laughs) 
Uh, I love that the Jack and Bo- we, we are around the corner from a Jack in the Box. It's the only fast food place anywhere in our neighborhood. And they specifically have like a munchies menu for late hours when everyone's high. <laughs> it's but it's so good, though, like because they have uh, the one that I always get has like a chi- like it's a, like a chicken filet on it. And then it has a, like a hash brown and this like cheese and gravy thing. It's like a cheesy breakfast chicken thing. It's a mess. It's so good. <laughs> I've only ever had Jack in the Box once, and that was in Midland, Texas, because I was driving through, and a friend of mine lived in the area, and he picked me up, took me there, and I, I don't remember what I had. But I, I know like their, their food was pretty good, and to me, it reminded me of, like probably just the atmosphere of the, of the restaurant. It reminded me of Hardee's. Yeah. Mm. No, I could see that. We have Carl's Jr. out here now. Which is oh, yes. the same thing. But. Yeah. And then we, we've got a number of delicious regional burger places out here, too. And that's pretty sick. And I want to try them all. I've had In-N-Out. I've only had it once and I did not have an- Animal Style, which is something that people told me I fucked up on. But it's like, I didn't know. <laughs> like The thing is, I don't know. I almost feel like In-N-Out's a little overrated. So maybe that's just me. A lot of people will compare to Swenson's and whether uh, what you like more or not. I think I like Swenson's better, but that also just could be biased from having it so much. But I got to say that I'm with Alley Catch. I like Whataburger best over mm-hmm. anything. Whataburger is on another level. My sister lives in Texas, so I had that when I visited her and I was like, this is the bomb. I like this a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm quite partial to, uh, to Shake Shack, honestly. Shake Shack is pretty good. I do like Shake Shack. Like I, I was like, oh, Shake Shack, this is sick. And I was talking about how much I loved it. And someone's like, that's not even a West Coast thing. That's like an East Coast thing that came out here. And I'm like, well, it skipped Ohio. My bad. (laughs) Didn't they? I thought they just put one in Cleveland not that long ago, but probably right after you guys left. There's a good chance of that. Yeah. (laughs) Cleveland doesn't even have White Castles anymore. How heartbreaking. Like I drive by the like specifically right off the highway, right on West 117th. And there has been an empty White Castle that is still shaped like a White Castle that's been there for like eight years abandoned. I'm more from the Akron area, so I'm Mm -hmm. always more partial to Hamburger Station, which was kind of the same thing. And I love Hamburger Station. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been there once or twice. I dated someone in Akron for too long. (laughs) (laughs) all right question number five for both of you in home alone who was worse buzz or uncle frank uncle frank oh yeah frank is an irredeemable asshole buzz is at least like a teenager i expect him to be a shithead and to like get it together in a couple of years which i mean he does, but also became a cop for Home Sweet Home Alone, and I have mixed feelings about that. Uncle Frank's an adult. He knows better. He's an asshole. It's true. Uh, I, I, Frank is obviously, like, the worst, and he's a monster, and I hate him. Um, I will say that he is responsible for one of my favorite moments in the franchise, which involves the uh, clown in the shower and Tim Curry doing <laughs> marvelous character work. And Buzz never quite gave me that moment. So, um, repurposing Uncle Frank is fantastic uncle frank like base level in like the raw uncut form is awful yeah that's it's crazy like because I've, I've asked this like on facebook and like people like will answer like both sides and like i look at it as just like kind of like what bj was saying of buzz was a kid like mm-hmm. granted like did he know better than kevin on certain things yeah but at the end of the day like 
still a teenager, still a kid. Now, Uncle Frank was a big old piece of shit, a big old freeloader. And like, there's like, there's like no (laughs) redeeming qualities except for what you mentioned, Harmony, of some of the bits that were used in like Home Alone 2, which I do love. Mm-hmm. I love anything involving Tim Curry, honestly. But like that that is the thing though, is like how much of what Buzz does is just being like a shitty 15-year-old boy mm-hmm. being mean to your little brother. Like that is exactly. so common and normal. And I think it's becoming less common now. And you have uh, a lot of younger people who a lot of them grew up in like single child households and they're just like, this is unbelievable. This is abuse. And I'm like, that was just being a sibling mm-hmm. in the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time I uh, was on TikTok and left TikTok was because I did a <laughs> video about the time my little sister got trapped underneath the Christmas tree and I left her there for like four hours. Um, and the <laughs> amount of people that were like, um, is your sister okay? Does she have long form trauma from this? You, you're abusive. And like, it was half people in my comment saying that. And then the other half being like, you clearly have never had a sibling before because... Mm-hmm siblings are awful and also i was five my cognitive like troubleshooting was not great then yeah it's like you like go back and at least laugh at all that kind of stuff and like yeah because like also you said you were fine like you were fucking kids at least nobody nobody died like everything's good right. and we can just look back yeah. and laugh <laughs> you and don't know were, any better at the time exactly but they were like finding her on tiktok and she was like posting videos of like her tattoos or whatever and there would be comments that were like um so did you actually forgive your sister or did she just say that to save face and she's like what the hell go outside make a (laughs) single friend in real life your sister's perfectly fine she's currently traveling across the country (laughs) going to bts shows she's okay she's thriving she's having a great time (laughs) uh question number five for you harmony Coffee uh-huh. or energy drinks? Oh, no. I'm a tea drinker. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, my, my specific brand of tea, because I am not a fancy person, is a Rite Aid brand Big Win tea. It comes in a box of 100 for like $6. <laughs> um, I think energy drinks give me the shakes and anxiety. And despite working in a place currently that actually has coffee uh, and I drink a lot of espresso, I drink it for the effect, not the taste. Uh, I can't say I love it, but between those two choices gun to my head and tea is not an option, I suppose coffee, but I'm going to have to make it not taste like coffee as much as possible. I I would say picking tea is acceptable. I did have the time when I had Veda Scott on and I asked them so many like questions where it was like this or that. And they would give me like one that I do have on here is uh, pancakes or waffles. Mm-hmm. And when I asked them that, they were well like it depends on like there's like this kind of pancakes good but you know i'd really do like this kind of waffle and then i think even online one time uh they brought up about like french toast mm-hmm. and, like that being <laughs> in the mix too and i'm like pick a fucking answer veda <laughs> but it's having like some of those is is, is acceptable and it's fine it's just it's all of these like uh, would you rather situations. It's like, well, would you rather eat gasoline or not have legs? And I was like, well, how much gasoline do I have to drink? <laughs> like, it's one of these weird situations where it's like there's variables and they matter. Yeah. And on the side note, I do. I do really love French toast. It's great. We make some banging French toast where I work. And also, like we put sponge candy on it, but it's not called sponge candy out here. It's called like honeycomb 
candy or something like that. And the internet calls it honey toffee. And these regional things are kind of a lot for me to handle. All right. Question number six. I'm going to start with harmonies uh, real quick. And that's, uh-huh. uh, it's a subject I've avoided because I know you are a fan and it's something Uh-oh. I've been getting into a lot lately. And uh-huh. that's, and that's kiss. I want you to, <laughs> I want you to rank the solo albums. Oh, um, Ace is number one. Yes. Followed by Paul Stanley, because it's basically just a Kiss album, which is fine. Yes. Followed by Gene, which closes with a weird version of him saying uh, the Jiminy Cricket song from Pinocchio. And it's sincere. And I don't know why that's a choice he made, but he did. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Chris is at the very bottom, unfortunately. I'm the same minus the last two I'm flipped because okay. Ace is just what whatever it is about that album like it is a hit beginning to end i will listen to it over and over like i just bought mm-hmm. it on vinyl the 180 gram uh version and i fucking love it so much mm-hmm. uh, exactly like what you said about paul stanley like it's basically a kiss album so which is always great yeah n- no complaints there so like for me it's like ace is definitely number one paul's just a little under it but still close Going down to fourth, it just, I think the Gene record sucks. Like, I don't know what, it just, it maybe, it just feels like this big miss. But mm-hmm. then with Paul Stanley, uh, not Paul Stanley, but uh, Peter Chris, it's like, it's okay. Like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's a good middle of the road. But yeah, I, See, I, I, can, I cannot get I, into Gene's. I think, here's the thing. I don't like Gene. Gene is nobody's favorite part of Kiss. And I think we've all come to accept that he's just, we have to deal with him and that's okay. Um, I think the difference for me is that Peter Chris's album is boring and I would rather have a bad album with some baffling choices than a boring album. Cause at least a bad album is more memorable. I can see where you're coming from there. Like, okay. You, you would rather watch uh, the room than like just some <laughs> boring movie. Yeah, like I don't know. I I watched John Travolta and Gotti thinking it would be a train wreck, and it's not. It's just long and boring and not memorable. Mm-hmm. I'll watch John Travolta in Battlefield Earth and have a way better time. Yeah, that. I, I like I said, I can see where you're coming from, but at least you have like the top two, right? Like, oh yeah, of course. Especially Ace. <laughs> that, like I, I don't know how many times I've listened to that album recently, just like crew, like just fucking jam into it or like. uh uh, driving back to my baby or, or whatever like oh uh, like i was actually like mm-hmm. earlier today like that was just in my head and i was like yeah that's a great album i love it it's real good here's the here's the thing and i've come around on this in the more recent years is that ace was my favorite member of kiss for a long time and then i saw kiss live and granted ace isn't there it's some other dude who's playing the ace type character and i'm like okay but paul stanley is absolutely incredible and he's my favorite member of kiss now like head and shoulders above everyone else. He's also a really fun social media follow because all he does is just post positive things and would mm-hmm. just say fuck Trump all the time. And he's like, I'm out riding my bike today. Woo! <laughs> and I think he's just lovely. Um, but yeah, the Ace album is have, better. There is a reason that I have a stuffed Paul Stanley doll in our bedroom because yeah. I am also a, uh, a worshiper of the star child. Mm-hmm. I love Paul Stanley so much. It's like unhealthy. Uh, Harmony has a tattoo on her wrist that's uh, like this minimalist design of David Bowie. And I keep thinking, like, I'm going to get a minimalist design of Paul Stanley on my arm. (laughs) Like, I know it's going to happen. I know that's where I'm headed. 
It'll be your first non-vampire tattoo. <laughs> I know. All my tattoos are references to vampire movies. I have like on Amazon a, a saved listing and it's a Paul Stanley costume shirt <laughs> where it looks like his outfit, which basically like part of it is just like a bunch of chest hair. That's mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> and then like with the pandemic, like I was like, oh, I can get a Paul Stanley mask to go with it. And that would be that would be cool as shit. <laughs> But yeah, I'm still. I, I, did, I gotta eventually pull the trigger on it. I did a uh, a impromptu costume one year for Halloween because I had dressed as Elvira this year, but I had to work the next day on like actual proper Halloween, and I was like, man, I'm not having like the big fake like boob plate chest thing. That's gonna be a pain to work around. Plus, I have to wear heels and a wig. I'm like, I'm just not bartending in that. So I put together a uh, a costume where I painted my face like Paul Stanley. And then just wrapped up a tinfoil hat with like a thing flying around. And I was a chocolate kiss. Oh, OK. Everyone's like, I don't get it. And I was like, you have no sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I've seen people that have been a French kiss and they'll dress like a French mime and have like a beret and have Paul's family makeup. But I liked I liked your chocolate kiss better because it was it wasn't something I'd seen a hundred times. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I will say, though, like originally when I was getting into kiss, like maybe my favorite part was Gene Simmons. Because I, uh-huh. I was I was putting this thought process in recently where I, I'm like, I feel like Gene is the face of Kiss. Like when a lot of people think of Kiss, like that is. Uh-huh. It's because of the tongue. The tongue. I think the makeup, uh, like his personality. The demon is the demon is a more and easily identifiable character. If you want to talk in wrestling thing, Gene mm-hmm. gets a lot of the high spots. He breathes fire. He drools blood. But like. Gene is the guy who has to be carried through the rest of this because Gene can't really sing. He can't really yeah. pay, play bass, but he has a great look mm-hmm. and that's enough to get him over. Mm-hmm. And Paul is the voice of Kiss. Oh, of like, course. Oh, he's like, unbelievable. Do I like songs that some of the other members sing? Yes. But mm-hmm. when I think of Kiss, like it's Paul Stanley singing. Oh, and they, absolutely. He recently became my favorite too. Of, I'm just like, yeah, fuck, fucking he's awesome too. And especially too, you consider... Uh, the person that Paul is versus the person that Gene is. It's like, yeah, you know what? I can't. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I'm gonna ride with Paul. Mm-hmm. That's that's my boy. Yep. <laughs> we're, 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 gonna gonna like, we're gonna go cycling yeah. with Paul. Of course, he loves he loves a good bike ride. <laughs> uh, BJ, question for you. I want to know what was your first concert? Um, okay, so there's a couple answers to this. Technically, my first concert was Aerosmith because I was in utero, but okay. I was also conceived. Um, after a who concert um because my parents did not have a honeymoon because who was going on tour and oh it's their last tour ever we gotta go they've seen them like three times since then um so the the concerts have a very big part of that um but as far as like i paid my own money to go see this concert uh the answer is hoobastank and good charlotte and no effects at summerfest in milwaukee (laughs) wow (laughs) that was the uh the first ticket that i ever used my own hard-earned cash to go see and honestly it was fun it was really really fun it was a great show (laughs) i would guess for me like because i was i always think for me like because i went to one concert when i was a kid and i didn't pay for it and that is spice girls like to this day okay i still love the spice girls me and bj have talked many times about how uh i would love for that to be covered at this ends at prom but the fact that it's not available streaming i just saw it at the Uh exchange for 50 fucking dollars and i Uh went what 
thank God I own it, but what? <laughs> mm-hmm. But oh yeah, I've, I st- I still love them. Still love the music. Um, Wannabe is still like, probably one of my favorite songs because that's what got me into them. Mm-hmm. But what I actually spent my own hard-earned money, I think it actually was they were kind of local, and that's um you guys might have heard of them like uh, Foxy Shazam. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Foxy Shazam. It was. Oh, then you're going to love the story. This was their first album release party. Oh, that first album's really good. Like, that's some good glam rock. And on top of that, I first heard about them before they were Foxy Shazam when they were Train of Thought because some mm-hmm. friends of mine were playing in Kent at, uh, I forget the name of the place, but I know it's no longer there because now, like, that area is a bridge. But um, <laughs> it was like Club Chameleon. But they were the headliners, and Train of Thought was the band that played before them, and they had a way bigger crowd than like most of the Train of Thought fans left afterwards. But mm-hmm. me and my, my best friend at the time, we were like, oh shit, this band's pretty fucking good. Like, we really like them, and we started keeping like tabs of them, and then they basically broke up, but then like Foreign Foxy Shazam, and when they had their album release party, we drove all the way down to Cincinnati for that, and I'd just seen them for the first time again, uh, at the garage shop. Yeah, because I think they um, I think they broke up for a while, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the singer went and was on that Macklemore song downtown, which a lot of people like, hey, surprise, you've probably heard him before because of that. Yeah. But yeah, like I rem- that was like that was also my, like my first big road trip, which here <laughs> now I'm like, oh, you know, Akron to uh, Cincinnati to for a band as a road trip but like for me that was like the first time out of my bubble that was also because i know you you guys like batman that was the day that batman begins came out me and my best huh. friend we went to the kent theater watched it got into a car and then drove straight to cincinnati and like that's what we talked about the whole time was batman begins <laughs> that's, that's awesome great. all right i uh, think my first concert, if anyone's interested, because I have I'm a very interested. yeah. My first concert was uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Fuck yeah! <laughs> he was on the first. Yeah, he was on the uh, Straight Out of Linwood tour, uh, like riding high off a of white and nerdy at the time. And my friend's uncle was like, "Hey, I'll bring. I'm a huge dork of an adult. I'll bring you and two of your friends with me to go see Weird Al at Nautica." So. Uh, that's who my first concert was, and he was great. Yeah, that, I think Weird Al is uh, one of my favorite concerts because oh, so much fun. I'm someone I don't like a bunch of opening bands that maybe I've never heard of and all that. Like I'm standing around and waiting, but like Weird Al is just like it's him. At least when I seen him on, I saw him twice on the same tour back in like 20, 2010, 2011. and it mm-hmm. was like just him, fucking awesome show and then like that was it and i was like most con- more concerts need to be like this i've had so much fun and being able to like sit down and enjoy a show and all that i'm like oh that it's i will go to a weird out show all the time if i had the opportunity oh absolutely i um i think one of the tours he was doing like a few years ago he had emo phillips opening for him and i was like oh fuck i would actually go to that show like really bad for both of them <laughs> how was that uh that kiss opening act of a uh, guy painting Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was so fun <laughs> and so weird. Yeah, that's all like not not liking, you know, random openers and everything. What it was this, I'm like, oh, that's okay. This is different. How do you, how do you uh, get ready for a kiss show? Guy painting. 
he, he was pulling that shenanigans where you're like watching it. And you're going, oh, God, he clearly screwed it up. And what's he doing? I don't understand. And then he flips it upside down. It's like, oh, it slashes face. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a such a good. That was was that your first kiss concert? Or you go. We went before that. That was my gone. first one. BJ's I been had before. gone before. Yeah. At Summerfest because Milwaukee knows how to party. And it was <laughs> it was a blast and a half then. It was a blast and a half now. Nothing like watching a 70 year old man fly over a crowd <laughs> singing a song about his own dick. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, my first kiss concert, too. Oh, God. On St. Patrick's Day. What a what a perfect time with just <laughs> what all the drunk dads planning. <laughs> now, did you go to the casino before the show? Because there was. <laughs> Uh, a cover band, uh, Mini Kiss, a bunch of uh, little people <laughs> dressed as Kiss oh, playing. I would have absolutely gone to that, but we did not. Yeah, I got. I wanted to get there early that day because I was like, "This is like Kiss is playing. It's St. Patrick's Day. We want to get like to that area like hours before we probably should." Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. I think my only regret was I found out about it later. I should have bought a. It's obviously you can only get it like online and like Amazon because it's like a bootleg shirt, but it's like Kiss me i'm irish uh-huh. i'm like like that's perfect because it's on st patrick's day but i think by the time i realized it it was like it was going to take too long to get here and i'm like yeah it's cutting it close to concert day and i'm not i'm not risking it but that yeah that was a that was a fun shot one of my favorite concerts i've ever been to oh same all right uh that is pretty much it any final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go i mean I guess if you liked listening to us, you can find The Sons at Prom anywhere you get your podcasts. We're there being like this, but with teen girl movies and occasionally wrestling talk because we can't not. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have to teach, teach our, our listeners what we're, what we mean by our terms half the time. And that's also fun. Definitely. <laughs> it's a, It was a really fun day when I got to describe to the listeners what go home heat was. They love <laughs> it as a term. Uh, you want to throw out your uh, personal handles on Twitter? Oh, sh- Oh, sure. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And I'm only on Twitter and Instagram and not TikTok because I just, I don't have it in me to be on a third platform at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And of course, you can find me at jsummers330 on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email if you so choose a desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com and we no longer have a merch store anywhere like i said earlier in the show please rate review and subscribe your ever listen to this fine podcast whether it be apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher tune in youtube spotify iHeartRadio, pandora amazon music or podbean wrestling cheers.podbean.com check out our friends on the trending topics network such as all beer inside your vision showcase the spanish announce table check out our other podcast friends such as Pod Van Dam, Super Fantastic Podcast, It's Evolution Baby, The IndieCast, Sobros Network, Biff Radio, Game Marks Podcast, Powerbomb Jitsu, The Spotlight Series, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, Positively Pro Wrestling, IWTV Guide, If You Catch My Grift, At Odds with Wrestling, Marks with Mikes, X Over Podcast, This Ends at Prom, and Porch Talk. Check out our other non-podcasting friends such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, The Mystery Men, Redline Radio, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, VHS Party Tonight on Instagram, Heart of Gold, Toy Ohio Toy Show, Time Capsule Toys, Stay Tough, Smoking Jay's Barbecue, and remember you can use promo code CHEERS for a discount on your order.
JCP Designs, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. That will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name and girl power. Later. <laughs> It's the wrestling cheers. Get up on your feet. Brighten in your day in the middle of the week. And you gotta love the show. Yeah, you know it holds a title for the best podcast. Talking wrestling in Ohio. Finishing a cold one. Take a load off. We ain't all about the prohibition like Josh. So we cheers. And then we sit back, other shows are in the trash, kinda like they Nick Stapp Like the name is Matt Justice, wearing all the gold Wrestling Cheers is coming to a close The number one podcast going in the game And one day everybody's gonna know the name It's the Wrestling Cheers This is Platinum Max, signing off Ohio, Good night. the world, Good night. We love you, we'll see you next week